My name is Vic the At Tenpence. Welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. This week we're reviewing a shooter. And I'm Sean Holly, here to provide some finesse to the podcast. Get your knickers on and make me a cup of tea. Ow. <laughs> Hiya, Vic. Hello, Sean. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. How are you, mate? You're right. Not bad, but you should never, ever hit your your co-hosts with a imaginary frying pan. It's not good. Yes, you've ruffled my dress. Yeah, we'll have to put these uh, this disclaimers on just so we don't want people doing it. Podcast host violence is becoming a real problem. We do not endorse on the Ten Pence Arcade podcast poking your co-hosts in the eye, hitting them with frying pans, real or imaginary. Please look after your co-hosts. Mm. You know how influential we are. Yeah, yeah, and all that. How, 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 how have you been? Good, thank you. Yes, thank God. I've not, not been up to a lot actually. Been. I took a nice couple of nice meals out and walks, and then apart from that, it's it's working, working, working. But this week, I am off. I am off this week. And what have you been doing in your week off? Messing about? Well, well it's only Tuesday, isn't it? So I've caught up with all the podcast notes. Yeah. I've been playing quite a bit of our featured game. I've got I've got into that. Mm-hmm. And what else have I been doing? Let's have a look around. Um, Was it Mischief? Really. Yeah, possibly. Overthrown yeah, Governments? Yeah, Usual. a couple, a couple of governments. Yeah, what have you been up to? Stupid work mainly. Um, I'm looking forward to being off in a couple of weeks because we've got Christmas coming up and all that lot. I cannot wait to get out of work. Um, yeah, I've not really been playing. I've not been playing enough arcade games. I really haven't. I just said to to wife, to wife, my wife, the other day. <laughs> I haven't been in the garage to play many games for a long time. I can't remember the last time I was in there and had a good old tinker. I mm. had, I've been playing a bit of the featured game, actually on hardware, because I've got a bootleg board of it, so I've been playing that in one of my me, me cabs every now and again, just coming in, jumping in for a quick game or two, but not many, mm. been enjoying that, I popped a, what game was it the other day I was playing on, the Vertical Pony, well, I popped that on because I did something with a video and I needed it as a backdrop, but yeah, not been playing that much, not enough, nowhere near enough, and I'm ashamed of myself, I've been too busy oh. doing other stuff, which is... Sort of, it's been gaming involved because we do a lot of this asteroids controllers for the Vectrex. You know those little boxes I've been making. Been doing well, loads if we're not, of those. Not playing arcade games. I'm going to give you one of these. Oof! I deserved that. Ow! My eye. <laughs> so, what you've been up to, Mister? You've turned our podcast notes into a bleeding spreadsheet. I knew this would happen. It is the end of days. It's not a spreadsheet. It is. It's, it's like boxes all round it. Everything that to me is, in is a, a spreadsheet. But you've got everything on the left-hand side of the screen is now headings. So you can click on a heading, Arcade News, and you go to it. Pickups, you go to it. Feedback, you go to it. Well, and I, then can, you lose I can just slide down my finger on the iPad. That's how I do it. Or on my phone yeah. or whatever. I just use a laptop. Yeah. It's not a slidey finger thing, is it? No. You need a slidey finger thing. Everyone needs a slidey finger thing. On Friday, just Friday just gone... I braved the stupid London roads, uh, I left at half 12 on a Friday, to go to the Numskull office in Welwyn Garden City. 
And I met up with Chris Hill and Ryan to talk about their quarter arcade cabinets. Um, they work for the company, obviously. And I also got to play the yet unreleased Galaxian and Ms. Pack cabs. And they're exactly the same high quality as their Pack and Gallagher cabs which are out at the moment. I even mm. managed to record um, a chat I had with them and asked them what games they'd like to be made into fantasy quarter arcades. And we'll shove that in here. It's about 39 minutes long. I am with Ryan Brown and Chris Hill at Numskull Games. Numskull Games? No, Numskull Designs. Numskull Designs. It's almost like two separate... It is. I was talking to Chris about this earlier. Could you just tell myself and the listeners the difference between Numskull Designs and Numskull Games? Yeah, sure, of course. So Numskull Designs is the company that creates core arcades, um, all of our merchandise, the Christmas sweaters, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. Um, Numskull Games is a separate company. Um, That's our publisher. So that's producing or publishing our own video games. Um, I think a lot of people end up attributing like quarter hates and numbskill games and some numbskill game stuff to designs. Yeah. It doesn't really matter that much, really. But, yeah, also but, the same umbrella. Of yeah, Rubber Road. the same umbrella of Rubber Road. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. And I'm here really to talk about some of the machines that are behind you. The listeners can't see. Uh, we've got Gallagher, Galaxian, Pac-Man, and Ms. Pac-Man. And yep. Pac-Man I've talked about before, and Gallagher I'm doing a video probably tomorrow on. Sweet. And Galaxian and Pac-Man are going to come out for Christmas, I believe? Yeah, so at the moment it's scheduled for mid-December, so Brilliant. pre-orders um, will arrive before Christmas, yeah. Yeah, cool. I was talking to Chris earlier about um, you've got a, a warehouse up in Jarrow in the north, yes. um, which designs and makes the prototypes, mm-hmm. and then obviously made in a company overseas. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to talk to you about, if you know a little bit about the production of these, because I'm a production engineer myself, mm-hmm. um, with the aircraft stuff and CNC and all that lot, and I'm very interested in how these things are made and how you decided first to make them, what decisions were taken to make them the size they are, mm-hmm. and basically where, where you started from there and until sort the of finished product now. Sure. What, obviously these games are classics, and it's probably the ones, if I was going to do this sort of thing, I'd begin with, because everyone knows Pac-Man, everyone knows Gallagher. They're good Galaxy. ones to start with, yeah. They are, yeah, indeed. And the other ones you've got on the website, which I presu- presume can be released next year, Space Invaders? Yeah. Uh, Dig Dug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favourite games. <laughs> yeah. I love Dig Dug. Can't wait to see that one. So, what decision was made, I think it's fairly obvious, really, to do Pac-Man as your first one? Yeah, so really, it, it is It is exactly what you think it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's the game everyone knows. Yeah. It's the most obvious game to start with. And when we pick those titles, it's both for... It, it's kind of for three primary reasons. So, A, it's what we want, because mm-hmm. we... We are gamers. Yeah, to see all the merch in exactly. this office. It's million. We're not just businessmen in suits. Like we genuinely will buy. If we didn't work here, we'd be buying this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, two is um, obviously fans and arcade collectors. What they want to see. Um, obviously, not starting from the first cabinet, but going forward, we do actually genuinely listen to feedback and what cabinets people want to see. Yeah. And three. Um, the boring part is retailers, <laughs> so yeah, cool. it's very easy to introduce a new range with an IP that everybody knows. Yeah. If we had gone to Game and GameStop in the US and EB Games in Australia with, I don't know, Mappy yeah. or Track and Field, they might not have known necessarily what that is, they might have been a little bit more unsure. Yeah. Um, so we can kind of address those niche titles down the line now that we have a good footing, but just hitting in with the variable known titles right from the start, yeah. just makes sense to, to build a brand. Yeah, and I suppose once um, these little machines are in the public sphere, 
yeah. people will hopefully get into more retro arcade games and they'll be looking at videos and go to arcade club in the north and around mm -hmm. the different around the world and then say oh actually I do know Mappy I've played it yeah. it's brilliant are you doing one of those and then it will open up hopefully for these slightly more obscure games but still popular yes that'd be cool I think it's part of the story I mean we wanted to make um, a cab which would be small enough but big enough that makes yeah. sense yeah I understand to a shelf um, but also build a collection and that's important that you know we are as much as we're like Brian said we're gamers we are collectors yeah. as well yeah. and as you see here having them in the shelf yeah. allows you to have that experience where obviously if you've got a full size machine which is fantastic it's going to take up a lot of room so we wanted to recreate the original machine as accurately as we possibly could yeah. but obviously down to that scale and playing with very close attention to the original cabinet which I know we're going to come and talk about yeah. how we got to yeah. that um, things that perhaps maybe not everybody's going to notice we notice we want to notice all the details oh, yeah. Uh, things like the screw heads and yeah. you know the, the coin draw, uh, all that sort of accuracy. Um, so when a collector sees it, they go, "Yeah, I get that." And they may even own, like yourself, original arcade cabs yeah. to be able to compare and contrast the two. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Because the ones behind you in the office here are fitting on like a Billy bookshelf. I got those at home. Yeah. And what you said about them being quarter, I, I measured them on my video with a vernier and rulers and stuff and they were pretty I did all the math and it was pretty good I, mean, I saw that I'm glad you did that because yeah, there's some people really question close. it but um... yeah they're really close and I know what those machines look like I mean I've, I've got a friend of mine's got a Pac-Man a friend of mine's got a Gallagher there's those are the ones up at Arcade Club I've got machines at home mm. and they're, they're really really close and the idea um, my, my podcast host co-host Sean He's always moaning about the. I, used, I collect the little ones you get in Walmart. Yeah, the little yeah, yeah. Um, bridge direct ones, mm -hmm. and they're they're nice to look at, nice in a box. I take the batteries out. I never play them mm -hmm. because they're really difficult to play. Even though they have got four way gates on the games and they, they work okay, but you know we're getting older. I am especially. You can't see them very well. These things play really well. Mm -hmm. They're a good size. They've got a five-inch screen. Yeah, yeah. And the joysticks have all got gates. And I'm always banging on about on the podcast because I'm a proper arcade purist. If you go and play Pac-Man with an eight-way stick, you just can't play it. It's impossible. Walk away. You can't yeah, do yeah. it. That thing has got a four-way gate on it. Mm -hmm. Galaxy's got a two-way gate on it. Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing. So it plays really, really nicely. And you've also got the buttons on the coin door. It's exactly what I do at home. I don't put coins in my machines. I put a button on there. Yeah. And it, it works really well. I think that's the idea of the size. You should have done them a bit bigger, but then they're a bit more cumbersome. Mm -hmm. And what I was talking about on the arcade, on the podcast, um, which I quite like about them, is a lot of people we know live in a one-bedroom flat. Sure. You can't, how will you live up you know, 17 floors up in the air? You can't be wheeling an arcade machine. I would. I definitely would. <laughs> but, but, you know, these things go nice in a shelf and you can get them off. And now you've got the boxes, the new box I noticed, they've got clear areas on the front so you can see in them. Yeah. So they look lovely as a display case as well. Yeah, absolutely. And they are really playable. I mean, a friend of mine, Alex, Nintendo Arcade, got one before I even knew about them. And I, I sort of looked at it thinking, oh, this is going to be terrible, you know, emulation, blah, blah, blah. I looked at it, it's really good. Mm -hmm. And I think that was at the point when the Pac-Man had a few little problems. Yeah. But they've been addressed really yeah, quickly. Yeah, so you were saying, uh, firmware, yeah, it was addressed really quickly. And the one I had from you, Never a problem. Mm. And I took that and Gallagher to PRGE in America. 
and I left them out all day long. For, and there was, there was 10,000 people at that show. It worked flawlessly, didn't come out once, didn't reset, um, the joystick was still intact when I took it back. Absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. So they are nice and they're nicely built as well. Um, they've even got the T molding on, they've got all the graphics. And I want to see more of them. I, I want to see <laughs> all my favourite games in a line. It'd be lovely to have. And people could have their own little arcade. That's know, very put, much the Put idea. Action Man yeah. in front of it and what yeah. sort of that, that is like, right, that is a total idea that you can, like you say, if you're in a flat particularly, or, or if you're you know, looking to <laughs> save a bit of space and money, because yeah. obviously it's a, you know, buying a full-size cab of many is going to cost you. And it's going to break down. It is. Um, it's to build your own dream arcade. So we've been putting out some photos uh, the guys in uh, our sort of Newcastle Jarrah office have just done an amazing set. All right. So with the carpets, uh, neon lights. old style, neon lights, Brilliant. being 3D printed, uh, little arcade stalls, fire extinguisher, oh, wow. fire door, to give you that impression. Um, so, you, you know, it's all lit up, playing noises, just what you would get yeah. when, you know, you, you entered the, the, the old arcade in the sort of 70s and 80s. Yeah. I think you talked about Pac-Man, which is like you know release title, having even just these four together, and when you turn them all on and the, the sounds playing, yeah. that singing of that you know sort of uh, the the kind of starter sounds playing all together, yeah. that is for me um, evoking the nostalgia sort of side of things. And to make it properly authentic, just crank one of them slightly higher than the others, because right. in the arcade it was always usually Mr. Do was really high, or Carnival <laughs> was really high up. Now, we were talking about licenses earlier. I don't want to get into that now because it's all legal stuff that I don't know anything about. And I've got to be careful and all that sort of stuff. Sure. But is there any machines you would like personally? Oh, Not that yeah. are particularly going to come out, but okay. any ones you particularly like? Because oh, I, yeah, I know so, Dig Dug is going to come yeah. out yeah. next year or whatever it is. And that's one I really look forward to. Should we do a top three? Or? Yeah, yeah. What, what ones would you like? Because, you know, it's not your decision what they're coming. You've got to do research and stuff. Oh, yeah, You've yeah. obviously got input. And there's going to be research into it and see which one's going to sell, which ones people are going to like and want to collect. Mm -hmm. But sort of, what are the ones you are? And I will either bring you down <laughs> or say okay to it. We'll, do, we'll, we'll take it in turns. Don't say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's going to be uh, real big trouble. <laughs> Probably because of, uh, again, you know, going back to uh, when I was you know, more in the arcade as yeah. a kid, mm -hmm. in the probably. Uh, and roughly how old are you? So I'm. I'm uh, just coming up to 46. Same age as me, that's a good year to be. And you are I'm a 26. <laughs> You're so very young. I yes. grew up with 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah 90s arcade was still great. Yeah. We haven't gone obviously down this road with the actual controller, so that's a bit of. Uh, it's always going to be a problem, isn't it? Certain specialised controls, even though they're small on these machines, the joysticks and buttons work really nicely. Mm. When you start talking like Atari yokes, yeah. the Star like Wars, and there, steering like, wheels, I know yeah. you're going to do it and handlebars, it's going to be difficult, especially to produce as well. So you're sort of thinking about, if, if you were the boss of the company, what would you try and bring out? I think a Spy Hunter would be really? quite exciting for me. Because yeah. even though I go, when we were going to uh, Arcade Club when it was first done, and, and recently, it's the one that I gravitate to, even though it's really hard. Oh, it's rock hard. It's, it's just, impossible. Um, when I play it with the, the, the soundtrack, um, uh, is it Peter? Peter Gunn. Peter Gunn, isn't it? Soundtrack. Mm. It, it just, I feel like James Bond playing that game. Yeah. Uh, even though I was a 13 
year old kid or whatever I was at the time. So that would be um, maybe it would be more of an object of uh, you know conversation than I'd play it. Because uh, obviously the steering wheel element would be. Well, I had loads of buttons on the steering wheel, and yeah. you'd have to try and get your foot in there somewhere as well because it had a pedal. Yeah, I didn't say it was going to be easy, <laughs> but uh, I think, and also the um, obviously the, the white uh, sort of sides of the cab and the graphics. The artwork was lovely, artwork was yeah. It was yeah. a really weird shaped cab as well. It didn't have a steering wheel, it was sort of like a, a big weird set of rounded handlebars. Yeah. So that that would look nice, but I, I was never a fan of it because it was so hard, mm. but the Atari 8-bit computer version of it was really good. You could play it with two joysticks, so one joystick would control the car and fire, and the other one would do the butt weapons. Okay. So I always liked it on the computer more than the arcade version. Yeah, I used to fly off the screen a lot. It was always sometimes they were a bit. I don't know if it's yeah. one to the other, but it would really speed out and. Uh, it's quite hard to control. I mean, that game you've got you've got to really sort of get into it and just know what you're doing and carefully do it. You don't go hammer and nails at it because no. you'll just fly into the side and get being fired all the time. Ryan, one from you. Sure. So uh, one from me. First off is Donkey Kong. Oh, absolutely. I would love a Donkey Kong cabinet. Yeah. Um, I'm like huge on Nintendo in general, and that's the obvious one to go to. Yeah. Um, it's one of those ones that I think we as a company would, in a heartbeat, do. Oh, absolutely. It's just Nintendo and licensing is a bit tricky. They are notorious for that, aren't they? They have been for a long, long time, because their quality is really high. I mean, I, I love um, Nintendo products. I've got a Switch, and I've had nearly all their, their machines, and they just... I know they, they've had a few problems lately, but... Basically, the hardware is unbreakable. It's it really is. You can throw it around the room. Yeah. <laughs> and I was talking to someone, a, a friend of my wife's. I was talking about something a while back about Nintendo, and he went, he sort of, he's not a gamer at all. And he sort of went, "What you broke it?" I went, "Oh yeah, it's not working." He went, what Nintendo? He said, They're bulletproof, and he knew that. <laughs> yeah. Back then, but yeah, Donkey Kong. Even the line of the Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Junior, Donkey Kong Three, Mario Brothers, oh, Popeye. Wow, yeah. Etc. That'd be look good, all in different coloured cabs as well. Yeah, it Amazing. would be. I mean, to be honest, they're some of the most requested ones we get as well. I bet. Like in, in every fan page we have on social, it's always Donkey Kong, Donkey yeah. Kong, Popeye, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong. Yeah. And we're, we're quite open about it, um, as we are in general, really. We, we say we'd bloody love to do Donkey Absolutely, Kong. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we just haven't had a. We've tried to contact Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, we just haven't had a response uh, at all. Um, yeah. So fingers crossed, maybe one day. That'd but be I think they're quite strict. Um, yeah, about merchandise in general. With yeah, Nintendo. So because you know. they're, they're still producing games nowadays with the, the low part of those IPs in. So mm-hmm. yeah, but I think if they could see these, I'm sure they'd be impressed. Hmm. Just send them one. Just send it to Osaka. Let's just have this. Have a look. Well, that's what we do. Make now. it and send that, it. To that, you. that is what we do for for sort of upcoming cabinets. We right. we do just now that we have them, we can just send them an mm. example. I won't say what yet, but we've kind of secured no. licenses because of that before. Yeah. Is, here it is. And they go, oh, okay. Because usually, usually they're going to go, that looks good. this is quite nice. Or if you do that again, we'll see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so if you make one and just say, we've made this, what do you think? There's no illegalities there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You're not trying to sell it to anyone or whatever. Chris, another one for you. See, I'm kind of in toy with this one because a lot of my games generally involve vehicles. It's, it's always right. a driving thing. Yeah, so they're gonna be difficult, though, aren't they? Yeah, but I like Super Hang On. Um, so oh, and the bike. So having, I think it might be a bit easier to produce because it's uh, yeah, you can pair of handlebars. Yeah, and I won't go as far as say paperboy because that would be a bit mad. Oh god, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Super Hang On again, the music, uh, 
amazing sort of uh, soundtrack to that game. And I like the cat. I mean, you couldn't really do a hang on because you'd be sort of be like a toy, wouldn't you? You'd be moving the. Uh, yeah, but that would work. Being back you could, if you imagine um, a toy version of a motorbike, like a, an action man motorbike, whatever they, the kids play on nowadays, it. with a screen on it, and you could actually get hold of the handlebars. <laughs> And shift it about. Oh my God. It could have some sort of. Um, well, it should be an analog controller. Wouldn't it? It, it gets it away from uh, you know sort of an upright. Yeah, into absolutely. The territory really. Because I was always going to say to you guys about making a cocktail cabinet in one of these size things because that might work. Two player as well. Think about that. Like a little sit down action man table. Yeah. Because I know, I know. I think Taito did do a, a money box. Yes, I've it was, seen that. I don't think you can play it, but it's got a screen that moves around and you can put coins in it and stuff and you can look at it. But one you can actually play together with a friend. Interesting. Yeah, because obviously everyone likes playing two players and all the games released so far, so far, mm. uh, one after the other. So one person will play, die, next person will play. But when you play together, yeah. that's when the fun starts. Mm. <clears throat> Another one from you. Another one from me. Okay, um, we're going really left field now. Uh-oh. Really left field. Um, so I would like a Dance Dance Revolution, or more specifically, Dance Dance Revolution Euromix 2. Is that your favourite? Of all the DDR cabinets. Right. Um, not sure how that would work on a miniature. you just do it with your fingers. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Pretty much you just do it with your fingers. That would work. It would work. I, I quite like the idea of DDR, but I'm not going to break my ankle or make myself <laughs> stupid on one of those things. Sean and I did a video once of us on a DDR. It was the most embarrassing, ridiculous thing we've ever done. Brilliant. But I like I like rhythm games. Oh yeah, I know them more often. Love them. I like um, there's one called UB. Yeah, where it's a screen where you touch the screen, and that would work as a DDR. But touching the foot, the floor pedals, or mm. the, floor, the floor tiles, that would work. It would. Again, obviously speaking completely theoretically with everything, but yeah, I yeah, think sure. something like that would be quite difficult for us just on the music licensing side. Yeah, that's yeah. the tricky part. Yeah, of course. It's, it's all the songs that are going to be on it are going to have separate licensing, and then you get into real crazy situations. Yeah, it's because a lot of the ones are obviously um, Asian songs as well, aren't they? Yeah. And the J-pop and the K-pop and all that sort of stuff. Because I think that's why there's difficulty in, in bringing a Euro or, a, or even a British language version, English language version of UB. Because mm-hmm. all the ones at Arcade Club are Japanese. Because I don't think they have licenses to produce the songs. But then again... When DDR games come out on PlayStation, mm-hmm. for instance, or any other consoles, they must have a license for those. Um, yeah, that would be a good idea. I suppose they could always do, they could make songs up, just get some job in singer-songwriters to make songs up. Yeah, yeah. Session musicians to make your own songs. It's just rhythm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. That is a good, that's a good <laughs> idea, actually. I like the sound It would of be that. cool, yeah. I mean, even back in the day, when, with, as you mentioned, like the PlayStation 1 versions of DDR yeah. games, the there were little mats. peripherals. Yeah, there were plastic yeah. mats, which were kind of, if you're playing on like expert mode, that's really difficult. Yeah. Um, but if there was little peripherals that plugged in, yeah. and you had, and they weren't just fingers. Oh, the hand They were like yeah. hand ones. So I guess it'd be something like that. Mm, um, that's interesting. I, I'm sure, I'm the kind of person who would go ahead and make that, so I'm a bit of a tinkerer. I do make stuff myself, uh, being an engineer and good with woodwork and I've got tools at work to make things. I do make things, and that would be an ideal little thing to make. That'd be quite a curio at a show to play. Mm. I'm sure someone's coming along and saying, oh, I want to buy it. Can you sell it? <laughs> no. Go and ask Numsclay, might make you one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Chris, your last one. Make it a good one. 
Not a silly racing can I, can game. I just have, I've got three in my head. Go on, go for it. So for the real arcade sort of, I guess centerpiece, but not the game is just not there. Having seen one up close a few different times at uh, different expos and what have you, I'd like a computer space. The plastic formed cabinet. Yeah, it, it looks lovely, doesn't it? It's very seventies. What's spangly? It's got sparkly yeah, uh, paintbrush to it. The game is absolutely dirt. I know. I know. So that's why we're going to move on fairly quickly. <laughs> it would um, look nice, though. It would look good. For my, um, for my driving... Um, I'm cheating here. Three <laughs> driving games. For my driving game um, uh, problem, should we say, yeah. I'd probably go for a Chase HQ. Oh, that is a loved one. I don't see the appeal, but a lot of our listeners love Chase HQ. Is it flashing lights when you, when you go on the actual top of the machine? I think so, because I always get confused with Chase HQ 2, Lucky and Wild, because that's a sit-down yeah. cabinet where someone drives and another person shoots stuff. Mm-hmm. So I always get mixed up with those. But yeah, you could make a little cabinet really nice, with good flashing lights and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But the one I'm going to do go on. is you're going to love me or hate me, yeah. and obviously we'll just have to figure out a controller, is because I... Yeah, I was so into this game in Butlins in Minehead in 1985, that, that particular year. I remember that year. Yeah. It <laughs> uh, would be a gauntlet. Uh, oh, that's a nice one. Yeah. I love it just has everything to do with how I fell in love with the arcade. And yeah. uh, that idea of somebody coming up, signing up to you, playing alongside... Yeah. Four-player gauntlet machine would be the uh, the money shot because because mm, like gauntlet in the arcade was actually a bit wider than most. Most cabinets are about six hundred mil wide, two feet mm. wide. It was a bit bigger, so you'd have license if you were to make one yourselves. Yeah, to make it a bit wider, and it only had two buttons and one joystick, and it was sort of around the corner from each other. That's right. I reckon you could get four hands in there. <laughs> one hand, that's sort of hold one there. Yeah, the yeah. Oh, that'd be really good, though, wouldn't it? That would work well, because that's another game at the arcade, you could always hear the sounds. Mm, exactly, yeah. Warrior is about to die. Yeah, that's a classic digitised speech, isn't it? Yeah, I hope the listeners are listening, because hopefully one day these are all going to come out, all of them. <laughs> it turns out that all six of these yeah, that we're yeah, talking all, about, they're all teasers. All the ones. <laughs> so right, your last one, make it a good one. So my last one is um, The House of the Dead, probably The House of the Dead 2, maybe yeah. 3. Um, that's the one I always hear people talking about. I don't know much about the gun games. Uh, a lot of people always talk about two and three. Them. Mm. Yeah. Love them. Um, yeah, again, if we were talking realistically, I'm not too sure how that would be implemented. Little yeah. light gun, Light guns screen. on tiny LCDs. That's going to be difficult to work. Yeah. We'll work it out one day. You'll work it out. We'll work it out. It's still a popular genre, though, isn't it? The uh, yeah. light gun game. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. So many yeah. people are talking about a lot lately because it's, it's just yeah. died a death, really, hasn't it? Light gun games. Like, new ones. There's... I think if you if you go to the IAPAs and the uh, the Japanese uh, industry shows, they do bring stuff out. There was one a little while ago. It might have been it was some sort of horror, maybe a Silent Hill, something like that. There was a horror gun game, and I think Konami maybe released right Scarlet Dawn. Obviously. Yeah, I was about to say that there actually was a new House of Dead game last yeah. year, Scarlet Dawn. Yeah, and they're um, in the, they're in the big environmental camps where they get camp. stuff you, blown at you and. There's all scary stuff going on, yeah. quadraphonic sound and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, that would, I'm sure people would buy that as well. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> yeah. I'll buy How about you? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. What would you like well, to see? Dig Dug is going to come out. That's one of my favourite games oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, Great. There's a lot of older games I used to like, especially as a kid. Stuff like Phoenix. 
But I mean, getting so hold of the the license for Finch because nobody really knew who made it in the first place because <laughs> it was it was what like, a mystery. Yeah, and it was like Phoenix or Amstar published Amstar, it, it yeah. and it was like a, an unknown Japanese company. There there are rumours, and I know someone's gone through the code. It's almost exactly the same code as um, Pliads, which was Takan, okay. which became Tecmo. Mm. And they presume it's that, but that was like 30 years ago. Who knows who owns... That must be difficult for you guys as well. Working um, out you, who owns this. Yeah, if you think, oh, oh there's, yeah. a, there's a game we really want to do, we've made it, who do we send it to for yes or no? Absolutely, yeah. We've had that, not even just for Quarter Arcade, um, but for some of the other products we make obviously again yeah. I won't name names but yeah. we've had that where we've decided oh yeah we want to make that yeah. and then we try and work out who owns it yeah. and then it turns out that it's it's like some sort of licensed company that are sitting on a license and stuff like that and, mm. and occasionally things just don't happen because it, it's such a shame isn't it? and again license wise it's not just the IP it's the artwork it's the music yeah. it's all those things that we need to work out who owns the license for otherwise they just can't happen exactly um, if that was me I'd do the old release it and see if anyone moans about it <laughs> <laughs> but I am reckless don't ever employ me yeah we, we definitely can't risk that no thing. absolutely not yeah because I suppose with yeah because even, even when the games are new they must pay the graphics people the programmers um, if it's an IP of another established IP as well mm-hmm. and then an artist would do the side art, but then does that machine become, say Atari made a game, mm-hmm. everything belongs to Atari. Yes. But does that ever run out? Depends over, on what it is. Because they can license it for so many years. It's interesting because nowadays it's pretty much, it's pretty much, we're Atari, we've made a game, we own all the rights to everything on that game. Yeah. But back in the 70s and 80s and stuff, people were really not thinking long term. No. They were not thinking, oh, this is going to still be an industry that people care about in 50 years time. Yeah. So we do the licenses and the contracts are all over the joint. I mean, sometimes there's, I'm an artist for a cabinet and I own the rights to that art still. Yeah. And they're just sort of licensed it out to the employer at the time. Yeah. Same for the music. And we've hit that, we've hit that roadblock several times with the Corrugate. Right. So it turns out that maybe this was a employee of a company that made the artwork, but actually they own the, that person owns yeah. the artwork yeah. and then becomes a, yeah, very complicated. Yeah, because I was talking to Chris earlier before you came in about um, a lot of these cabinets, because they're so accurate with the sizes, mm-hmm. and you say your guys up in Jarrow have actually got half the time the machine to you know, bring down to quarter size, oh. measuring everything. But I was saying to Chris, even back in the day, especially companies like Atari, they were a bit reckless in how they made stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. all it needed to be was a box that looked pretty yeah. in a darkened room, playing a game that everyone wanted to play. And as long as it didn't break down and people kept shoving money in that coin slot, they were fine. And they had a life of like two or three years. Yeah. And then they used to gut them, put new artwork on, put another game in them, you know, hammer some nails in it to keep it working. And that's it. Um, so yeah, these things didn't really last, but these things you've got here, because they've got more modern components in nowadays, which some people frown upon. I don't see why. They work really nicely. And these games have got arcade ROMs in. Mm-hmm. And you don't use MAME. It's another emulator, your own emulator. Our own custom emulator. Yeah. And there's a board. Yeah, I've, 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 I've taken apart and looked in it. It's quite, even the inside of those games is nicely made. Mm-hmm. It's not just glued in. Mm-hmm. Everything's quite good in there. Because people have said already, can you get a CRT in there? But where would you get CRTs yeah. from nowadays? Yeah, we've had that. Maybe you could do miniaturised ones. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would bring the cost way up, way I, up. I bet it would. Because 
I think there are some places that still make CRTs, but it's probably like in the backside of India or, or some far eastern country that they still use them for whatever. And a western company trying to get hold of 5,000 to make yeah. arcade cabs, there's no chance. Yeah. I, I understand, I sort of understand how difficult a lot of these challenges are that face you. Yes. <clears throat> um, but so far, I reckon you've done quite a good job of them. And I'm looking forward to seeing some new ones come out. Uh, you've given me some hints away, which I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> However people twist my arm, I'm not going to do it, because they might even come out. I don't want to say anything. Sure. But yeah, um, so there's, did you say there's six on the website? Um, so, Patman Gallagher out now, Galaxian yeah. Ms. Patman by the end of the year, mm-hmm. and then Space Evaders, Track and Field, and Dick Dog are on the website at the moment. Nice. And that, that, they're all called sort of Q1, Q2 2020. Yeah. It's the first half of 2020. We may end up having um, another yeah. release or two. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're the next, next round, really, aren't Next they? round, yeah. And I think I've told people on the video already and on the podcast, where can people get these things from? Oh, sure. So um, you can head to quarterarcades.com. Um, once you click on a cabinet on there, it will show you a list of retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, Amazon, Geek Store, Game, GameStop, EB Games, mm-hmm. um, pretty much everywhere. I mean, there, it, wherever you live, there will be somewhere where you can purchase one of these. Yeah, because a few people, accessible. when I was at the PRGE show in Portland, they were coming to me and saying, where can I get it from? Mm. And I, someone even said to me, why don't you just sell him that one? I was like, no, you can get it through <laughs> the proper, proper channels. And one guy said he'd already pre-ordered all of them. Great, yeah. We've had a lot of people do that. Yeah, really? Yeah. Because they want the full collection. They want the yeah. They they, they like the idea of having them all lined up. And you need to do a little sort of diorama backdrop, with a brick oh, backdrop with a, a neon <coughs> sign in it. We did the we did the arcade room diorama yeah. images. Yeah, so we've got a video up, which is fairly new, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like I've got a link in the show notes for that. To mm-hmm. That is the idea. I mean, you know, who knows? We may even sell little kits one day with Maybe. all this stuff in there, so you can build your own yeah. mini arcade. <laughs> well, I've already got onto you about scrounging some parts to make. Um, one of my own because I have got in my little arcade and I've got eight sub-electro ISIS cabinets mm. it's an unfortunate name and I know you probably wouldn't want to do those they were a generic cab in the UK they used to make them in Telford I think and I used to play those in chip shop and I really like them I've themed them for different games I've only done a few so far but they've been themed and I would like to make myself a quarter arcade one right. just a one-off just for myself to go in like on a shelf near there um, so I'm after some buttons and sticks but yeah I, I presume if you could Release kits. Okay, that's an interesting idea. Just a generic black what cabinet, like the ZX80. Yeah, almost. Because people could, if you did sort of a shaped cabinet. So I know someone actually makes full size ones. Yeah, um, and you could, you know, really sticker packs, perhaps, and mm. control packs, and they can obviously put their own games in it and deal with their own yeah. IPs and legalities or whatever. I think, um, especially talking to. Uh, like our design guys on this, I think the idea of quarter arcades is that we wouldn't probably, I suppose ourselves certainly look at putting multiple games in in a in a cabinet. No, um, it's it is for us that authentic arcade experience. So happened in the day, you never got more than one game in a cabinet. Back one then. game, promise the game in it. Um, we don't want to alter that experience with extra bits, buttons, joysticks. Yeah, they, they, don't, they become a main machine, then, don't yeah. they? They're not but authentic anymore. On the flip side of that, and we were talking about it earlier, um, you know, we, we see this as almost like a community, that mm. we're, um, you know, we're, we're sort of hearing people's feedback and we want to take it forward you know, to, to existing machines even, because you can, 
up, update uh, machine yeah. uh, through a data cable. So, for example, on, you know, on this one we've got uh, the, the, the new machines, that, the Gallagher, Black, so you've got dip switches on there. Yeah. So you've got setting changes that you can do with number of lives and skill level. Yeah, that's essential, I think. Exactly, and, and these are things that we, we want to sort of bring into play, but, you know, but enhance the experience overall. Yeah. But I guess going back to the original point is that we do want to kind of maintain that almost, you know, one 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 game, one cab. Yeah, because um, on, on these games as well, I, I personally think it's a bit of a loss. There's no save game feature, but in the arcade, <coughs> they didn't have save games on. Because <coughs> um, Dig Dug has, so you're going to have to do that, I'm yeah. telling you. You have to do it. There's, um, a, there's a lot of devices out there, um, I'm sure you'll know more than I, that can do safe states and yeah. also play multiple games. Yeah, it's not right, is it? If we go down that road, it no. muddies the water of what we set out to do in the first place. Yeah, I think it's getting a bit too finicky then. People can do that with their main machines and, and their controller box with a Raspberry Pi or whatever. These things are for a mini arcade. They're not meant for, for multiple. Because a lot of people in, in our sphere as well don't like the, the multiple machines, multiple arcades. They hate them. They're really, so these things are right up their alley. They are perfect arcade. Mm. You know, same thing. Because like you were saying with the dip switches and stuff, I mean, if you're an arcade operator, you could have changed the dip switches to make Galaxian have five lives or whatever, or make it a slightly easier version. Mm. And that's, that's what people want, I reckon. Also, that point about there are whole generations of people coming into this who've never experienced the original. Yeah. So if we go and build something that's kind of a, a, a quasi version of the original, yeah. you're just getting a toy. Yeah. Whereas if there's plenty of those this, around already, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. By doing this, okay, it's not the, the real deal. But you know, you squint, you close your eyes, you darken the room a bit, put a few neon lights, yeah. a bit of smoke, get yourself in the uh, <laughs> yeah. atmosphere. Put some you, pizza yeah, on it. Exactly. You um, you get what we had back there because you yeah. know it is going you know going back in time and, and having that experience. And I think particularly with these four, and I, you know, I can't wait till till next year. I've got some of the dates actually as well for you. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. Um, heading towards uh, these dates for for the next three. So March twenty twenty for track and field mm-hmm. and then you you uh, want this one this is May 2020 for Dig Dug brilliant and then uh, so far as well the last one is Space Invaders that's July 2020 Ooh, that was the first game I ever played I <laughs> love Space Invaders many of us is the first yeah. game we ever yeah. played it's very popular wasn't it and that's going to be I think I've seen it where it's modelled on the U, the UK Euro version which was a Taito because Americans yeah. had buttons for left and right we had a joystick this yeah. is the joystick version. Yes. So the other version that. was a midway version? Yeah, midway. So, yeah, yeah we, we we don't have the midway license. Right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, of course. So That's what the thing you've got to think about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, we got, you know, we have got a full-size version of that sitting in our uh, design office. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have that here. It would be great, wouldn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. They have the mini versions and the full sizes. Uh, nice. That's another key point is uh, which cabinets we can and cannot make as well, actually, is how we actually make them is we buy a full size cabinet yeah. and model it after that. Yeah. So literally digitally, digitally model it after that. Right. So we have, to, we have to actually be able to find an original cabinet. Yeah. If we can't, we're kind of stuck. Yeah. And that's an interesting, uh, I mean, we could probably talk about that for hours, but yeah. machines are becoming more hard to find. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, just generally, because there is a, a resurgence of interest in uh, all things arcade, yeah. pretty much, isn't 
Yeah, because there's um, quite a lot of retro arcades appearing in the UK, especially in America as well. Um, America's quite a good source to get them. But then again, you're going to get the American cabs, aren't you? Not the Euro ones we got over here. Because mm -hmm. even some, um, I think the ones we're talking about now, the Galaga, Galaxian, Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man, we didn't get a lot of those here. We got a Galaxian, remember, but I never saw a yellow Pac-Man when I was a kid. It was always a bootleg we got. Oh, okay. and obviously, that's not yours. <laughs> yeah. But um, <clears throat> we got a lot of them now. You see quite a lot nowadays. But um, yeah, official machines, the American versions are different again. And I yeah. suppose, talking to Chris earlier about it, you've got licensees from like Italy and the UK, because Electrocoin did a lot of the UK ones, which are still in um, Tottenham Court Road now. And you got CDAM who did like Spanish versions and stuff. And then you got um, there was a German company who did a lot of German ones. They're all totally different. They were just given the board and said, right, do what you want with them. Sure. And they made their own cabinets, like their own artwork. Some of it was really wacky. And uh, yeah, quite interesting to see those. Maybe not. This <laughs> is going a bit far. We try and just do what the most recognizable one is. Yeah. And, and of course, we have to get things licensed. So it's usually the, the yeah. one the licensor kind of recognizes as being the official one. Yeah. And sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it is literally just. That game has been put in various cabinets, and we yeah. kind of have to pick what we think the most recognisable one is. Yeah. Um, I think so far for all of our releases, there is kind of a uniform cab. Oh, but there yeah, will yeah. be ones in the future where there might not be a uniform cab yeah. that everyone recognises, and we kind of have to just pick yeah. one. Because the four we're looking at now, Gallagher, Galaxy, Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man, to the untrained eye, they're the same cabinet. Oh, yeah. But they are not. We love this. Yeah. <laughs> we not. love this little detail. I bet people have just said, oh, you just copied that one. It's different. It's an inch different on the back. And you've gone, oh, actually. Actually. You turn around <laughs> yeah, and see there's a different shell. Yeah, that's the thing is the tooling costs, even for slight changes on a cabinet shell for us, yeah. it's a lot of money. Like, it's I it's bet. not inconsiderable. But we know that we the whole point of it is that it's authentic. That it's exactly as the original cabinet is. Yeah. So as you point out, if you put our Pac-Man and Gallagher cabs side by side yeah, and look different. at it straight on, Absolutely. You, you'll think it's the same shell, but but you put them on the side as well as they are. Like yes. Yeah. So I knew that already, shells. and as soon as I saw the picture, I sort of looked carefully and went, oh, they have actually. Mm. They've got right, bloody hell. Awesome. And also, one last thing, mm -hmm. just tell the listeners how much these things cost. Sure. Um, so the Pac-Man cabinet is one four nine ninety nine. Except um, the first one in the bigger, thicker box. Bigger, thicker box. Um, limited edition. Limited edition collector's edition came with a coin. Came yeah. with a uh, coin box. Mm -hmm. Came with a certificate. Um, that's just because it was the first one we had. Limited ten thousand units. Um, so they will be gone soon. And once they're gone, yeah, they are wow. gone forever. Wow. Um, Gallagher, Ms. Pac-Man, Galaxian, and. So on for the future are one two nine ninety nine. Wow. So pull the price down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we think they're excellent. More than worth that. Made for a wood with real metal and whatnot. And they make really good Christmas presents, everyone. Oh yeah, good Christmas gifts. So that's about all I can think of, guys. Anything else you'd like to add? Before we go. No, it's been brilliant. It's been good to uh, chat it all through. Really. Yeah. Excellent. To come and tell us, come and tell us which cabinets you want, everyone. Please, because we yeah. genuinely do listen. Like yeah, this is something we take note of. You get some really odd ones like. Uh, I, love, I love hearing odd ones. Well, they're going to ask for stuff, especially our listeners, they're going to ask for stuff like um, a G Lock machine or an R360 or something. It's just ridiculous. R360, what? Yeah. You'd lose your hand, <coughs> wouldn't you, probably? Yeah, probably moving one. Oh, Christ. No, no, please don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can imagine some of the ones they're going to do. And I, I presume in the future you may do them. It all depends on you know how you can get older stuff. But yeah, it'd be interesting to find out in the future. No yeah. Galaxy Force 2 then. No, that's a bit <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. Thank you very much. Right. Cheers. Catch you later. 
So talking of quarter arcades, I also managed to do a little video on Saturday, I think I made it, or Sunday, uh, a video review of their most up-to-date release, which is Gallagher. I've had it a little while now and didn't have time to, to do a video until now. Alex, Nintendo Arcade ex-co-host of this podcast and YouTuber, also wants to know when we are going to cover Gallagher on the podcast, Sean. Mm, that's a good one to cover. Yeah. It's a good one to cover. Yeah. I saw I saw the little video you did on it. Mm-hmm. You did a little YouTube video, didn't you, on, on the little quarter arcade Gallagher? Yes, I did indeed. Messed about a bit, as I do. Mm. The thing is, because you've reviewed one of them and I'm reviewing the next one, the only thing really different is the game. And they've also included dip switch settings on there now. So all the new games are going to have dip switch settings, just like the arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not really a lot to talk about, because the, the quality is exactly the same. It's really high quality. They're good things. They play well. And if you know what the game's like, that's it, really. But, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed playing it and enjoyed uh, doing the video. But what I will do before long, maybe we'll do it for the Christmas episode, I'm going to auction those two machines off as prizes for the podcast. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, so they're quite expensive. Pac-Man's 150 quid, and uh, Gallagher's 130. So some lucky listener will be winning them before long. We'll probably do that for the Christmas one, shall we? Have a bargain bumper giveaway. Yeah. That'd, be, I've that'd also, be nice, that. I've also got, on a lesser note, which we'll do at the end of this podcast, just before we leave, I've got some little trinkets to give away from Numskull. Because they do a lot of merch. They do, like, um, bottle openers and badge sets and T-shirts and mats and all sorts of things to do with video games and arcade games and stuff. And um, I was given a load of that stuff with the box that I was sent Gallagher with. So I shall give away a load of those at the end of the podcast. We'll have to, we'll have to ask a silly question or you know get listeners to write in something and we'll send them off. Do you know what I've been getting? What have you been for, getting? For, for free, off of listeners. Well, not off listeners. Gout? Off, off, yeah, <laughs> off of suppliers, mm-hmm. right, for the club. We're doing a few a few craft ales now and sort of the oh. words getting around. So people are little micro brewers are saying, look, we we can you know provide you with this ale. Do you, do you want to uh, do you want to have some samples? I say yes, please. And you go, so, no, I would I'd love some samples. Have you got some IPAs? Yes, we'll send them to you. Okay, then this has happened two or three times now. Well, it's happened twice, but I've got another one in the wings. Uh-oh. So so eventually I'm going to have to buy some of these. Oh and put them in the fridges but at the minute we're just drinking them (laughs) i also posted a picture on instagram recently i'm not sure if i put it on twitter i forget to do i must link them too so they does it together at the same time but i took a picture of of the table i work at for my project while i'm doing the podcast now of a table full of electronics there was a pcb a game board there was a video convert which converts rgb to composite there was a Pico power supply, which is a very, very small PC power supply. It just has a little 12-volt connector goes into it. You know a wall water 12-volt one? Yeah. One of those, and it powers a whole PC. So it's, it's good enough to power arcade boards. It's 12 volts and 5 volts. Doesn't need The board I'm using doesn't need minus 5. So i got all that. A jammer little harness I made up. A 5.5-inch screen. And a speaker. And it all works. The proof of concept of this thing that I'm making works. All I've got to do now is strip it down, put it in a case, and put some controls on it. I'm not going to say mm. what it is yet, because I'll hopefully reveal it at um, one of the next functions we go to or whatever. But I'm really looking forward to making it. That might be a, an over-the-Christmas period little thing for me to do, actually. 
Have you still got that mini Pong thing? I gave it to Phil Murray because he really, really liked it. It was just sat in my, um, one of my shelves gathering dust. And he said, oh, you know, I really like that thing. And in the end, I said, well, you can have it. I just gave it to him. And it's, I think it's in his games room now. Mm, it's great, that. Yeah, I, I like making that thing. But I just never used it. It was just one of those things I made and it looked lovely on the shelf. But uh, I just wanted people to, to actually play it. So when, when Phil's games room done, he's doing a lot of work to his house at the moment. When his games room's done, hopefully he'll be in there and we can have little parties and stuff. He'll have a little get-together or whatever and we'll have to play it. Cool. Nice, that. With all his millions of games that he's got. So I've also been making and sending lots of Vectrex Asteroids controllers to people. They've been going to mainly America. Uh, one went to Italy, one's going to Australia, one two to Canada, I think. But sending them all over the place. And do you know what? The worst part about making those controllers is putting them in boxes and sending them to these people, going to the post office and doing all that sort of stuff. Mm. It's really dull doing that. But actually making the things I love doing, making them, testing them, make sure they're all okay, quality control, brilliant. I love doing that stuff. And Russ Russ likes his little square buttoned one, doesn't oh, he? Oh, he, he got a very, very special one. I had some um, square arcade buttons. They're sort of like 25mm square. And I don't know where I got them from. I think I got them from Arcade Otaku years ago. And I think they're normally used for um, Mahjong games. Because they have a lot of square buttons together. Yeah. So I think they were used as Mahjong buttons. And I've had them for years. And I've got some green ones as well, actually. And I, I had a spare overlay. And Ross really wanted one. I said, oh, I'll see what I can do for you. I might, Because you know, all, all the buttons are spoken for already. So I thought, oh, I'll have a look at this. And I found some these buttons and I made it up and it looks really cool it looks like something that the Soviet Union would have made back in like 1984 mm. it looks quite <laughs> nice and he's really pleased with it and it, it, it does look good on his setup he's got a little setup there and it looks really nice I'm, I'm glad he's happy with that so that's one of the ones I've made um, I've been selling those things all around the world and uh, oh I also made uh, an aluminium machine spinner if you go to Vectrex fans unite on Facebook. You can see this, this thing I made. It's like an aluminium box, a machine that have a solid piece of aluminium with an aluminium lid on it. It's all engraved all round, and it's got a aluminium um, machined spinner, like a cog, like a sort of gear wheel mm. cog on it, and it's a spinner for Vectrex. Because the thing is, um, Jim Watt, who I made it for, uh, who was also a Clockwork Robot, he gave me a load of parts years ago. He just sent, he kindly sent me a load of parts to make Vectrex spinners up with these. These little rotary encoders, they're not spinners, they're rotary encoders. So they work they work like a button with one and two mm. buttons. You just wire up to the buttons. It works really nicely on Vectrax. And I said to him, oh, thanks for that. I'll, I'll make you an aluminium box. He said, oh, cheers. This was about three years ago. Yeah. So I kept promising to make it and kept promising to make it. And in the end, I actually made it and sent it to him. And he's, he's over the moon with it, so I'm really pleased about that. And I have got a part made, another part-made aluminium box I'm going to give to someone else who deserves it, who's big in the Vectrex scene. Um, but that'll be—I don't know when I'll be able to get to finish that because I've only sort of done the main part. I've got to do all the—I've got to do different engraving for someone, different yeah. lid, and then a different spinner control um, knob as well. So I should be doing that soon. I really enjoyed making that. It's really nice as well. So have a look at the pictures. I'll put some pictures on the, the show notes for everyone to look at. Also. All to do with, it's always to do with the Vectrex. I'm mad into Vectrex at the moment, and it's sort of arcade-related, is the same plastic boxes I get from DigiKey, these black ABS boxes I make the Asteroids controllers out of, I can make a joystick out of it as well. 
So I'm be, I've done a, a prototype. Where's the prototype gone, Sean? I've left it in there. Look, there it is. It's look, just over there. There it is. It's just here. Look. Look, I'll show you. Look, how, how cool is that? Can you see it? Oh, it's a little cutie, isn't it? It's a small little thing. But what I've had to do, because it's quite a small box, it's not as big as like a, um, you know, like a sort of arcade, like a hoary controller, an arcade control box where you've got like a, a stick and six buttons or whatever. The Vectrum's mm. only got four buttons for a start, and it's quite a small little box. They're about 165 mil by... 120 by about, and they're sloped at the front, so they're like 40, 50 mil at the back and 25 at the front. So what what it is, is because they're small and shallow, the standard joysticks, like the, the Sanwa joysticks that go in there I'm using, I've got to reduce the length of the joystick shaft, because on top it looks really tall. So I took 10 mil off of it, re-drilled it, and re-tapped a hole and put a, an M6 threaded insert in there to take the ball. I've also reduced the ball... I'm now using a 25mm one rather than the standard 35mm one, so it looks in proportion. Otherwise, it looks like a massive lolly stick. Yeah, and on the yeah. bottom of the shaft as well, because the shaft's long, it hits on the bottom of the base of the box. So I've had to reduce that. I've had to turn that away as well. So there's two turning ops to it, uh, and then drilling and tapping, and a new ball, which I've ordered some black balls from China. Yeah, so I've had to do all that. And also, on the joystick, instead of using those rubbish um, square gates, which you know go into diagonals when you don't want them to, I've taken them, got rid of those, and I've 3D printed up some octagonal gates I'm going to use on them as well. So all these joysticks I'm making have got quite a lot of work in already, just to, just to get them in there and get them working nicely as a joystick. So there's quite a bit to do on this, but I'm looking forward to making finishing the prototype. And then I've also designed some overlays for it. You know you know the Asteroids controllers have got the black and white and the colour overlay? Yeah. I've done three different overlays for the joystick. So they're a bit simpler, but I've done a a UK Milton Bradley style, because in, in the UK we've got MB ones. I've mm. done a black and grey American GCE style, and also a black, grey, and white Japanese Bandai style, because in J- Japan they were um, distributed by Bandai. And they all look really, really nice. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting... I've sent the files to Ollie because I did them in, in paint because I'm that useless with graphics. I've got Mac Paint. It's very similar to the old Microsoft Paint. Yeah. So I did them in that the best I could. And I send them to Ollie at Arcade Art Shop and just say, can you please sort that out for me? And he vectorizes it and makes it all perfect and uh, prints them all out for me. So hopefully I'll be getting some proof ones when he gets around to doing it because I'm sure he's very busy at the moment. But I'm looking forward to getting those done, actually, um, and ordering loads more stuff up to make them all again. More boxes, more buttons, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, into that. that. You could turn it into a little mini business, couldn't you, really? It's sort of getting that way. I tell you what, mate, if I if I could afford to do it, say money was no option and stuff and I didn't have to work properly, I would do it all the time. I just I love making stuff like that. I really like making things mm. that you can use. I'm all, I've always been a maker. That's probably why I went into the profession I, I did. I've always liked to make things, and then you know, and when when you make them professionally looking, when you get the, the professional boxes, the proper joysticks, the buttons, etc., you get properly printed layouts, and it all looks professional, and it looks like the kind of thing that might have been released back when the Vectrex was current. I love doing that, and and the the Vectrex joystick, the actual original joystick's analog, and they're not very good, and it's been crying out for a decently made one for years, and, and a few people have made some over the years, but not many of them really really limited runs. And what mm. I'll do, as long as there's a demand for them, I'll keep making them. I won't just make 20 and say, well, there's no more, and the prices skyrocket. If people want them, I'll wait until there's 10 people wanting them. I'll make another 10 or whatever. 
Mm, that that's one you made for me, and you know you gave me on my birthday. That's yes. that's, that's actually better than the hoary sticks. It's lighter. Oh, really? It just think it so. just feel it feels better made. The one that you wow. made. And that, that yeah, box and, I bought was only a cheap Chinese box you can get on eBay. I wasn't very yeah. happy with the box because the box that I was going to use is a professional RS one from from Radio Spares in the UK, and it's a bit thinner and a bit smaller. I wanted to do one out of that, but it would have been more difficult to get the right... You wouldn't be able to use 30mm buttons, and you'd have to use 24mm buttons because it's a bit smaller. But that mm. I, I would have felt better with doing that, but you wanted it a bit bigger and have six buttons, you know, so if we ever play any Street Fighter games on the, the podcast or whatever, we can use that. And there's obviously the four in the arc, then the other two for, for Neo Geo, and then the other two. And then the, the auto-fire, is that, is that another board inside, a tiny little board for the auto-fire? No, it's, it's done with a thing called a zero-delay board. And you can buy them for about six yeah. quid. They're only cheap. And what they are is they've got little connectors for all the buttons. So you, you, you get the connectors with it. You connect it into the little PCB. You collect the other the end, the spade ends, onto your buttons. Yeah. Do all that. And it's also got it's got some other functions, which I didn't really look into. But there is an autofire. So you, you wire one of those little connectors in the, in the autofire to a button. And when you hold the button in and press the button on you know the one you want to make autofire, it turns on like a rapid fire mm. for that button. Yeah, it's great. And when that. you press another button, you hold it in and press it, it turns it off again, so it's on and off. And it's all functions of, of the um, the zero delay. And the zero delay then goes just to, to a USB lead. So it can plug into a Mac or a PC or a Pi or whatever. And it just gets um, recognised by the computer as a generic USB joystick. So when you, you're in MAME, you just go into MAME and reset all your keys, buttons, presses as joystick. It's really easy mm. to use. Yeah, it's really good. And it's octagonal gate as well, isn't it? So I printed can... that one as well. That's the ones I'm going to be printing for these joysticks for the Asteroid, for the Vectrex as well. So you can use it for maze games and for shooters, can't you? Yeah, I it do would... like an octagonal, because um, it, do, it does best of both worlds. You haven't got to mm. reach inside the thing and turn it round like a four-way, eight-way one as well. Thank God, thank God. Thank God. Anything else you've been doing apart from drinking IPA, free IPAs? Uh, not really. Not really very busy at work, obviously, because there's a lot of things happening, which I hope we can announce soon. Oh, yeah. Be, we we sort announced. of know what's going on, but we're not allowed to say anything just yet. Yeah. It's going to be good, though. Going to be good, it's listeners. It's big. It's super big. It's a big one. Oh, that's oh, what she yeah. said. Oh, oh. <laughs> but on, on your the rest of your week off, hopefully you're going to be doing some arcade stuff. Mm. What I need you to do, Sean, I'll task you with a little task, is go through MAME, and find some obscure old games for us to play in the future. Not well, just got... shooters, you. Not just shooters. All weird, different kind of games. But obscure ones, hopefully. Well, what I'm going to do... I, I nearly got around to it today, then I ran out of time. I'm going to put Ross Ross's Art Raspberry Pi Jammer image on my cab. Because I've got, I was running, it's running Pi to Jammer at the minute. And it's an yeah. old Final Burn Alpha image that Lewis put on for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm done, I don't know what this... Raspberry Pi to Jammer thingy, I think he called it. I don't know what it actually is. I've never, but I bet it's really good. So I'm going to put that on. Okay. And see what that's like. I've got to, you've got to obviously load it up with games and everything. Hmm. Was well, it just a front end kind of thing? I think so. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, report back on that for us. Hmm. Well, hopefully the weekend as well. I'm going to Smarty's meet Smarty Martin, who doesn't yeah. that far from me. He's got a meeting on Sunday. So I'm going to go there and meet up with a couple of people. Uh, hopefully see the usuals there, usual faces. And that'll be fun. I'll report back on that next time we talk. Mm. 
But I went there a few years ago. It was a really good day. Yeah, we were very hungover, weren't we? God, that's, yeah, that's when I used to drink. God, I'm, I'm glad I don't drink anymore. It was, what was it? Was it? That was the night that. we had the um, the whiskey from Whitney. Yeah. Oh, dear. God. We went God, out to London was... for a little while. Uh, Central London went to uh, South Bank, didn't we? We had a few drinks yeah. there. And there was some mad ladies dancing in that place we were in. And then when we got back, we were just chatting in the kitchen uh, with the door closed, just drinking whiskey. And we drank a bit too much of it. And I'm, I'm not mm. a whiskey drinker. I don't like whiskey at all. But the stuff that Whitney gave us was so smooth and warming. It was just lovely. Yeah. But it was very Probably. strong. And we drank far too much of it. Far yeah. too much of it, Sean. I remember trying to play Centipede the following day in Smarty Martin's house. Oh. And uh, I thought, oh my God, the whole room's spinning. Yeah. I've still got the still got the manage to get the top score, I think. <laughs> Sometimes it helps, I don't know how. Arcade news. In news, we have one of your favourite things. And actually, I'm probably going to buy this or get someone to send me one from America. I really like this. And it's something to do with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Sean. What? What is this sorcery you saying thing? It is a tiny pinball. Now, you know the little cabs? I've got a few of them. Where are they? Where have they gone? Can't find them. Can you see them, Sean? Can you see them? There's they've one. Dis- they've disappeared behind the sofa. They're that tiny. It's one of these little. Um, it's like a keyring one, and it's made by. Oh, I can't remember. It's called now. Just they're called tiny arcades, but they're like a little. Mm. They're like a little keyring. They've got a keyring on them. You can hang them on a Christmas tree or something. And they play different games. I've got a Dig Dug one here, and I've got a Pac-Man one. But the Pac-Man one was I hacked it with a little switch on the back. Or well, I think you do it with a joystick when you turn it on to play different games. It's got all four games on the PCB already. They just they turn them off, so you can turn them on. Mm. But the same company has made a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tiny pinball. Mm. And it's a video pinball. Obviously, it's not a physical one being that small. But it is really neat. And Arcade USA, Willie Culver, did a little review on it. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes. And it's really cool. I still love all Willie's uh, videos because he's so enthusiastic about the stuff he Yeah, he's a great about. guy, isn't he? Yeah. He loves them. I, I, I was hoping to meet up with him at PRGE, but he, did, he couldn't go for some reason. And, um, yeah, I was really going to sort of look, at, look forward to talking to him. But, yeah, hopefully one day we'll meet up with him because he's such a nice guy. So that is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tiny pinball, which I, I just like the look of because it's only a little tiny thing. The way you hold it, you can sort of hold it with your fingers either side of it, like your your forefingers either side, and you've got like the flippers there. But you can also hold onto it with your your hands, and there's some flipper buttons at the back, which is quite close. Yeah. You, can play, you can hold it in your hands properly, like cup it in your hands, mm. and, and press the buttons at the back. So check it out. It's a really nice little thing. Hopefully they'll be making other themed ones as well. It'd be quite cool. Uh, have you seen this? The four-player physical Pong. Yeah, it's like a follow-up to the one we were talking about just last week, last time, weren't we? And it's, like you've put in the notes, it could be like a version of Warlords almost, couldn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure how it works. I presume you're defending like a goal. It's a square screen, or a square unit, it's not really a screen, and you've got a bat, obviously, like Pong, and you move it left and right, and I presume... Your opponents, when they hit the ball, they've got to try and get it past your your bat and, and hit the back of your wall, like your goal. So you play four players together. It's a really lovely looking table. It's really bright and lit up with the different lights and stuff, and it looks really cool. You've got like a blue, yellow, green, and red player with a you know his big spinner and a serve button. But it made me think of: wouldn't it be cool if they could make? And this, when I say physical, 
you've actually got a little bat and it, it runs on magnets. So when you move the move the the spinner, I think a belt moves a, a magnet a magnetized um, wooden blocks. It's actually a physical block that moves. It's not, it's not on a video screen. It's a physical thing that actually moves. So when it hits the ball, I'm not sure how it works. I think it works. Yeah, it works on magnets. So something's moving magnets around X and Y on a table. So it moves the thing around. It's really clever how it works. But what it made me think of is if they did an Atari Warlords, which you obviously you defend a corner of the screen, not a, a flat piece of the screen. You could mm. play that, and if it if your physical bat was on a, like a little runner that went around the corner of the, the little base you, you, you play in the corner, when it goes around the corner, it would be on a diagonal and you could hit the ball on weird angles and stuff. And I think with Warlords, well, when you press the button and it hits your bat, it flies off at a different angle, doesn't it? Yeah. There is little tactics to it. You can actually make the ball fly off in different... Or you can hold on to it, sorry, can't you? When you hold yeah, the button down, you hold on to it, and then you can move it around and let go again, it fires off really quickly. Well, there's two buttons on the control panels on this, and I wonder if one of them is like catch the ball like it is in Warlords. That'd be real fun, wouldn't it? Could be. They really. It's called Pong Knockout. I'll put a link in the show notes to it as well, but they really need to make a Warlords because Warlords is such a popular game, especially when you, if you've never played it before, get up to Arcade Club or wherever you can find one, and have a go of it. It's a lot of fun, especially on a table machine. Mm. There is an upright two-player version, but the the, play, the one to play is a four-player sit-down cocktail version. So cool. I saw the two-player one in America somewhere. We did, yeah, yeah. It was in Might the Galloping Ghost. Blast. Was it? Yeah, because it's um, it's a black and white game rather than colour, and it's it's overlaid onto one of the, like a, um, a half mirror. Yeah. It's, it's, got, like a, it's got a 3D cardboard background in it. Of like yeah, fortresses quite, quite and things. Cool, yeah, it's yeah. really nice looking. I've never seen a two-player until I went there. And that's about the only news we've got at the moment. There is a lot. There's the IAPA show going on. I think it might have finished. And there's loads of new news, which I might look at for next time. I'll tell you what I was given today, actually. Let's get my phone out of my pocket a second. I was sent an email today by EAG, the International Expo Team, uh, they've sent me a free ticket because I think I've been I've been a few times before. I think all you have to do to get a ticket is just register, and it is mm. one of these um, shows at the Excel in London. It's the fourteenth to the sixteenth of January, and I know Alex and Roger and Ol, our friends, usually go. It's on a it's usually in the week, so I'm not sure if I'll go or not. I'll have to check it out again because I, I didn't go last year, but the year before I went, it was a lot of modern stuff, but it was quite fun. That's when we first we first saw the big Pac Man and the big Gallagher's. And that weird mm. Space Invaders machine on the really huge LED screens. Mm. So I might go to that one because I've, you know, be interested to see what, what's coming out soon. Hopefully, they'll have some of the Exo Arcadia stuff. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, some shooters would be good. Yeah, that'd be nice seeing that news because that is that is a proper arcade game where you've got joysticks and buttons rather than big physical phone games, basically. So I'm looking mm. forward to that. Ten Pence Archives. So I've been gone back through some of the games we've been playing, looking on the podcast, and I've chosen to play Plus Alpha again. We didn't play it that long ago. It was on podcast 118. Mm-hmm. But because we're playing such a cutesy shooter this time, Gemini Wing is often compared, or the other way around, is often compared to Plus Alpha. But Plus Alpha is also fiendishly difficult. I had a go to today again, 
and I couldn't even do the first level. The boss at the end killed me almost straight away. I was like, for goodness sake. It's a really <laughs> weird thing how they make these really cutesy, kawaii shmups so difficult. You sort of look oh, at it, oh, this is a kid's game, and you play it. No, it's not. It's really, really hard. It's just kicked my backside again. But I also had a go, and we haven't done this on the podcast, I had a go of a game called Bells and Whistles by Konami. You know that one? Yeah, I'm not so keen on that one. You have to shoot the ah. the, the bells, don't you? It gets How many nerves, times have actually. you actually played it? <laughs> it was in a pub where I, where I used to go in the 80s, so I played it quite a lot. So you've got just... a bit of experience on it, because I, I uh... thought that, and tonight when I was playing it, I got in the rhythm of it, and it's actually quite a good game. But you, you've got a sort of... If when you shoot the bells out of the um, out the clouds, they fly out, and if you hit them once or twice more, they turn a different color, and that's mm. when you should grab them because they do different things. They give you different power ups and stuff. But if you keep hitting them, they just go gold, and you just get points for them, and they keep flying up the screen. So the idea is just to get them to change color quickly, and then go and grab them, and don't worry about them too much because there's a lot of them around. You get a lot of weapons, but when you actually play the game, it's a really decent shooter. It's really decent. Mm, so I'm looking forward it. to doing that. Maybe a listener will uh, ask us to play that or something because it's not really. Obviously, you're not too keen on it, and I, it's not the kind of game I would perhaps pick. But maybe, so maybe one of the listeners is, is liking it. I don't know. But yeah, I quite quite enjoy playing it tonight anyway. But I've never played it before, and I was always thought the same thing as you. Or it's a bit fiddly with the power ups. But if you sort of ignore them and just play it as a shooter, it's a great game. Hmm. I've been playing Star Force, inspired by us playing Gemini Wing. Yes. Thought I'd have, a, have another go of it. It's, it's in my top ten of all time. I love it. I keep coming back to it. It's about, well, I think it was December. Yeah, I've got it written down. December 14, 2014, when we played it. Wow, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? And the last yeah. time I played you at it, I beat you. Ha ha ha! Yeah, but I was IPA'd up. You were IPA'd up a little bit. But I got I got around 380,000 on it today, wow. which is... Which is okay, but I, I can get six or seven hundred, I think. So that that sort of score is rusty. about is about my area, I think mm. three hundred something thousand. I can usually get about that. Mm. On episode one hundred eighteen, which we did plus alpha on, you know, I always put a lot of nonsense at the start of the web page just to sort of ease people into the rubbish we're talking about. The bump from the start of the web page entry reads: Sean finds out that the metal cupboard in the kitchen with a hole in it is actually an oven. He can now have <laughs> hot pies. Yeah. Are you still having hot pies from the hole in the uh, in the cupboard? No, because it's not warm. You, you, you can put them in. Yeah, you've got to you press put, the you, fire buttons to make it go hot. You put them in, take them out like an hour later, and they're just sat there. And it's it's a cold cupboard, so there's a, obviously got to be something else that you do to make the cupboard warm. The cupboard you're opening, is it a white cupboard? It is a white cupboard, yes. And is do. there like bacon and eggs and that in there, and vegetables? Not at the minute, no. That's the wrong cupboard, Sean. That's the cold one. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not to worry. Enough of this fridge talk. Recent pickups. Have you bought anything lately, or have you been given anything lately? I'm going to get a huge, massive, massive pickup when, oh. by the time this podcast comes out on Thursday. Right. What's the biggest thing you can buy apart from a house? An elephant. <laughs> yes, I'm getting a huge elephant. Getting a new car. Are you really already? It, yeah. Well, we we went in for the. I think it, we've had this to say a Leon. It's a Leon. That's it's, how they it's say it. It's basically a garage. golf. It's a Leon. It's we've a had nice that car. For, we've had that for two years, nine months. So they so they 
sort of say, oh, do you want another car? I went, yeah, all right. Oh, you're getting on finance like I got my one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what about that one over there? So what is it? It's a Seat Arona. Arona? Yeah. It's it's a new one that they do. I said, yeah, I'll have that one then. And they said, are you sure? I said, yeah. Do you want to test drive it? Nah, not really. Uh, Yeah, so so I took it out for a test drive. But what I didn't like about the Leon is it was quite a low down car and it was quite bumpy because it's so close to the road it's quite bumpy so i you know an uncomfortable not uncomfortable but you felt the bumps so i had a test driver test driver this one which is an suv which is a bit higher up oh you're not going to be one of them people are you it's not massive it's just they are ruining the planet those things it's only a one liter it's just a one liter suv and i and I, I thought, oh, God, I'm not having this. And I said, but what else are you doing? He says, the next one up is a 1.5 diesel. Oh, says, no. there's just There's just no call for, like, he says, that little engine, he says, will be better than your 1.2. So I said, all right. So so I was, took it out for a test drive, and I said to the guy, hey, you don't mind me putting my foot down. So I whammed my foot down, and it, it's got loads of power like yours. You know, yeah. Yours is just a little one litre in it it is yeah but it's a turbo that's what i mean mm-hmm. they've, they've brought the size of the engine down but then they've they've put like turbos and, and injections and all this sort of stuff and then they because mine's a blue motion well it, it's got like fast running bearings and stuff and tires all to do with ecology and it's just it just it's a nice little car this is yeah, this is a tsi which i think is a turbo uh, I, I reckon that's probably got the same chassis as, as a golf because mm-hmm. because a lot of those cars, I think the Seat, the Skoda, and the and the the VW are all the same car. It's the same, you know, under the same umbrella. They make similar cars, just with different bodies on. Oh, nice one. Yeah. So he said, "What color do you want?" And why? I said, oh, "I'd like the color of that one in the showroom." Black. It, it's it's red with a black top, like this. It's called something like wicked red or devious red or deadly redly sort of like that right. anyway and he said oh we've got some coming over on the boat he said oh, it, it, they'll be over in a couple of weeks i'll let you know but this morning he said they're here they're here do you want one I said yeah allow one. go on mate go on. so go thursday on, morning i'm picking up a new car new Woo-hoo-hoo. car and it'll and have that nice new car smell to it Ooh. And, and it's got all the technology bit in it apparently because i was moaning about how crap the sat nav was to him he says it's the sat nav is updated, but you can now link Google Maps to the screen. It says it's very easy to do. There's some kind of network link in the car. It's not just a USB plug. It does more. Yeah, wife's it, got that in her car. It's called yes. uh, Maps and More or something. It's an option you can buy for it. Yeah. Nice one. Nice mm. one. Big so old drive, car. Driving around Lancashire in a new car on Thursday, hopefully. Well, I've been getting a few arcadey kind of things, video things. Not many. I got a gaming headset from Numskull when I visited their offices, but I'm going to send it to you, Mr. Holly, because your headset is knackered, because I keep hearing w- weird whiny noises on it in my headphones. So I want to send you a nice big headset, and you look like a robot with it on. You look like a Cyberman. You've got light to your bits and everything. It'll illuminate like, your beard for Christmas. It's like you're talking into a triffid. That, that, it does that. look, yeah. It's got a red thing on the end of it. <laughs> yeah, but it'll light your beard up. it looks lovely. Mm. Uh, I also caught uh, a Sonic Christmas jumper from them as well, which I'm going to give away as a prize again because it's uh, a Euro large and it sits a bit too tight on my excessive frame. <laughs> so if anyone's large out there and wants a Christmas jumper, um, you might be able to win one. 
Uh, I also, like I said earlier, got a bunch of merchy things that Chris gave me a while ago. Um, I'll tell you what you need to do, right? If you want a random video game trinket supplied by me, uh, write into us somehow. Get in contact with me or you. Or actually, get in contact with me, because I'll be the one doing it. And just put the heading, Gimme. And, yes please, I'll have one, whatever, little message, and your address... And whoever I pick out first will be sent something. So send your addresses to um, UK or Europe only, please. Um, sorry about the uh, overseas listeners, but it's just going to cost me a fortune to, to send off in post. I don't mind mm. sending to Europe because it's all the same price. But yeah, so if you want to have something for free, send in a gimme message. Mm. Very, very nice of you, that, Vic. Well, I was giving them for free anyway, so it's nice... Uh, and also, massive thanks to Nomscore for sending me in the first place. Listener feedback. We got a bit of feedback. First one is Mr. Bobby Idiot. He says, hello, peoples. Not sure I've ever done the proper email feedback thing before. Feels weird. I'm only partway through the latest episode. I'm having to listen to via the 10 pence website because my iPod still isn't showing it up. Stupid Apple. Anyway, first off, Victor, the word that was eluding you was lenticular and not embossed. So that that lovely notebook he gave me, it's not embossed, it's lenticular. It's got these funny lines on it. When you look at it in certain lights, it looks different. Lenticular. Ooh. I like the word lenticular. And he said, he called me a shandy sipping fool. <laughs> Talking enough. of fools, is Sean okay? I'm a bit concerned he was having a stroke during the episode. <laughs> I hope he's taking it easy now and he's old because he's old and infirm. Finally, following on from our chat about... <laughs> what was I doing then? Well, you were, you were getting everything wrong last week. You couldn't remember your words and you were getting stuttering and making funny noises and, and blinking a bit and gibbering. Uh, no like change from the normal podcast, really, but, you know, it's a bit worse yeah, than normal. A bit worse than normal. Yeah. Oh, God. He also says, uh, I'd like to formally offer up Alien on the Vic-20. It's a nice mix of the Pac-Man maze thing, but with the space panic, dig some holes, and then bury the buggers that fall into the thing. But the controls will need tweaking for the arcade. Instead of the single button and joystick combo with the Vic-20 version, I propose a two-button layout, one to dig the hole, one to fill it in again. So that ends his feedback. But that was um, a good little game. I haven't even played Alien yet. I must have played it as a kid. I'll have to look, look into that one. Uh, an arcade game... Uh, sorry, a, a computer game that should have been in the arcades. Mm. He said He's put there, make of that what you will. A paper aeroplane, maybe, or a hat. On the Door Door Pixel Hunt podcast, Soul says you use a Lancashire accent when you're doing, when you're doing this um, kind of voice that you do with him when you read out his feedback. So he's from Yorkshire, not Lancashire. So Right, okay. Yeah. Well, do you know what? He's actually rang in. Yeah. He actually, he actually rang this one in so he could prove it. And uh, here's his message. Is, this, is he done? Is he done, Danny? You dirty done? Oh, right, okay. Now listen here, you. You seem to have got my accent all wrong. Ecky thump, I don't know what you're saying, like... But I come from Yorkshire, not Lancashire, or any other places down south. Oh, I don't know what you're on about. Now, if you'd just like to sort me accent out, I'd be quite happy about that. And oh, I'm 86, you know, I'm getting on a bit in my life. Oh, anyway, good luck with podcast and getting me voice right, you buggers. Well, you know what? Lancashire is in Yorkshire, isn't it? 
No. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's all the same at North. As long as they have a meat pie and a pigeon loft, they're pretty content. So it doesn't really matter, does it? There is a town that's half Lancashire, half Yorkshire called Todmorden. They're all the same. Anyways, more feedback. Someone from Jeremy Riley. Hello, Victor and Sean. Now that I've finished catching up on the back catalogue of podcasts, two weeks seems a very long time to wait between shows. Any chance you'd go a little faster? Every couple of days would be great. Uh, no. <laughs> this week's game, Gemini Wing, is an average shooter but did have that one more go compulsion. Unfortunately, round three is crying out for our auto fire. And without it, you have to be Charlie Far to forget any Charlie Father. Hey, hey, oh, we did that? hey. Victor's Amiga Bass in the last show was a bit embarrassing for everyone but Victor. Imagine everyone else being so wrong about Rodland on the Amiga. A British company, Sales Curve Limited, who handled the conversion, also converted Silkworm with similar aplomb. The fact is, very occasionally, the conversion could improve on the original. No. While I agree with this criticism of Zen N2, removing those rose-tinted glasses, there were some wonderful original arcade games such as Apidia, Battle Squadron, and Turrican. Nods to you. Oh, I had Battle Squadron. Really good shoot 'em up, yeah. Okay, never played it. Well, mm. I might have done, but I can't remember it. Anyway, keep up the great work and uh, on the best podcast in the world and all that sort of jazz. Yeah, 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 whatever. Jeremy Riley, also known as Zorro on Arcade Sidekick app. Zorro with his mask and his leaping Pointy, off of buildings things. and sorting things got one from gj harris here bobby your dad's better half mr marland only just re- only just listened to your new podcast tremendous as usual didn't get to play rodland as the rom wouldn't work now oh. fixed and working for some unknown reason why i'm on with this gemini thing wing thing only ever, but i only ever played the amiga version i must ask was holly drunk while recording <laughs> yeah i wonder i'm gonna have to listen back to it perhaps i was off me off me head isn't it He's a fella, ain't he? Back on topic, you mentioned that you, you had not sorted the Genesis 3 out, so here goes. I opened my eye up and took the pictures. I hope they're useful and marked up where the, where the wires need to be soldered. And then he's going on about what you did. Have you sort of taken his advice then on this? Not yet. I haven't had time to do it yet. I've been too busy. But my Genesis 3 I bought, which is a very tiny mega drive that was only released in America, it... If you put, I've got, I've got a, an EverDrive for it, and with the EverDrive, uh, in a normal Mega Drive or Mega Drive Two, you can play Master System games because I think the the system has a Master System built in. It's got hardware to play Master System games on it because you could play you use the Master Converter. But on a Genesis Three, they didn't wire it up. It's there, but they didn't wire it in. So what you've got to do is do a little mod to it. You wire one of the pins on the cartridge port to one of the pins on the tiny little main cpu and there's loads of places online that tell you what what pin on the cartridge to go to what pin on the chip but there's no pictures to actually show you which where it is because obviously it starts at one and then goes to whatever but there's, there's over 100 pins on the main chip so you're not i'm not sure which way around it would go and i don't want to damage it so i think gary has found out for me which pins to do it to and he sent me some really good pictures i haven't managed to do it yet but i need a very tiny i've got a tiny soldering bit and some very thin solder which i have got because it's a tiny tiny little point you've got to do it to with some very thin kynar wire it's okay it's not too bad if you get a good light on it my eyes are still pretty good and you just got to just dab it on there real quick and just get a tiny thin wire on it and move and chain and you know chain it to the the part on the the cartridge port and it should obviously play master system games because i do like a few master system games and i'd like to play them on that machine 
So and also mm-hmm. I tell you what I did the other day for the, talking about the um, Genesis three. I didn't realize I had it. The the TV cable that came with it is just a composite cable. Mm. But I found I didn't realize I had it. I must have had it for a Mega Drive too. I found it the other day just on my table here. Uh, a very similar looking cable. It's actually an RGB cable. So it's a right. much better picture on my PVM. I play it on the PVM and composite, and it looks lovely anyway. But with RGB on, it's just a, a little step above that as well. It's a really nice picture. That's component in it. Do you call that component cable or not? I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm not sure. There's loads of different names for it. I know the yellow cable is composite, yeah. which is is a reasonable picture. It's better than RF. It's reasonable. And usually you have the red and white to do the audio, left and right stereo yeah. audio. So sometimes you can plug that into a a SCART jack, and it, in SCART, and it goes into SCART. So SCART does RGB as well as component and sound. Mm. It does both. So it's just wires it to the different parts on it. But this is a proper RGB, which, which goes to the RGB SCART I've got attached to my PVM. So that's a really, really nice picture on there. RGB is the way to go if you want true, decent picture. Mm. So thank you for that, Gary. I shall look into that hopefully the weekend if I get time. And he also says on there... Uh, he's got 200 me- Mega Drive games boxed and 200 Master System games, roughly three quarters of them boxed. So they're in his in his man bedroom, uh, and he says, "Let me know how you get on with Operation Wolf. I mean Operation Genesis Three. And he sent me the pictures. Mm. There's a new listener. I've got an email from today, Andy Pilliner. Hello, Victor and Sean. I've only just discovered Retro Arcade and Game Podcast, and I have to say, yours is the favourite. I've started listening to the recent podcast, but the travelling backwards in time effect is doing my noodling. So I'm going to go back at the, to the very start and listen to you from episode one to help make the commute and dog works more enjoyable. He's going to be a bit shocked when he finds you're not on it anymore, Sean, back in episode one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I only managed 70,000 on Gemini Wing. Unfortunately, real life got in the way, but I'll try to get more organised for the next challenge, I promise. It was a very enjoyable game. It reminded me of Space Megaforce, which was my first, and for quite a while, only SNES game. Never heard of that one. Time to dig up my old arcade stick and smash some buttons. Playing it on a gamepad was murder on my right thumb. Cheers, me dears. Keep it up. Right, I've missed his score. I'll put that into the scores. Sorry, Andy, 70,000. Anyway, we've got one from Roger McNally. Hi, Victor and Sean. I've been an avid listener to the podcast for a number of years, 27 years, having started listening at episode 60. Banku, 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 in the bank. After a tip-off from Andy Godoy during a Retro Asylum podcast, that put me onto it. For ages, I've been meaning to drop you both a line and give you a big dose of listener feedback. So here we go. As a child who grew up in the 80s, I paid the odd visit to arcades having grown up on the coast. But my main experience of arcade games was ports to the 8-bit micros. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. As a teenager in the early 90s, I spent a bit more time in the arcades. It was mostly drawn to the various beat-em-ups from Capcom and Konami, like... Turtles and Simpsons. No, oh, he's put that. knobhead turtles and Simpsons here. I, I thought you'd put that. No, he put, that. he put it in. I didn't write that in. All right. I largely ignored the 80s classics. So I've never heard of them or only experienced two cycles of ports on both the 8 and 16-bit platforms. Listening to the podcast has been a real ed- education, introducing me to some familiar and not-so-familiar games from the 80s. Your biscuit-based whimsy and encyclopedic knowledge of arcade games is definitely infectious. Basically, I just wanted to say thanks to you both for such a great podcast for all the hard work you're doing researching it recording it and editing it i prefer the bold one with a beard he's so funny and intelligent full stop that's not on i can't see it on the notes sean 
Oh, sorry. I ended up building a bar top machine this year. It's only RetroPie based with a flat screen. No CRT yet, but it was a labor of love from start to finish. The ultimate dream would be a real cab, but I'm colorblind. So if my wiring is anything like my performance on clacks, <laughs> right. or super, a super puzzle fight, fight, it's probably not such a great idea. Thoughts on Gemini Wing. I finally managed to take part in the featured game. Roger Dodger on Psychic. All right. So here are some brief thoughts. I remember the home conversions being heavily advertised in all the magazines back in the day. I don't remember that. But I never actually played any version of the game. I really like the feel of the mechanics of this game with the power-up system too providing something different. One minor criticism, the three-way attack power-up is utter poo. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great, is it? My goal was to try and break 100k, which I managed. Given a bit more practice, I reckon I could beat the two-eyed boss at the end of level two. I was so close. And the high score music is good. It's classic. I put that. Yeah, have a listen to that. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, enough rambling. Keep up the good work. Thank you, mate. One thing he mentioned there I've got to talk about is um, the fact that he's colorblind. If you were to do, if you were to make an arcade machine or get a proper arcade machine and rewire it. It doesn't really matter your colorblind because what you can do is if you trace the wires from either end and use a, a multimeter to continuity test them, you can make sure you're putting the wires in the right place. They could all be white wires. doesn't matter. They could all be green wires. Mm. It wouldn't matter a toss. As long as they're in the right place, it doesn't matter mm. what color they are. And as long as you're careful with the, the AC, it doesn't matter anyway because you can wire the brown and, and blue around the other way. It doesn't matter because it's alternating current as long as the the ground is in the right place it wouldn't really matter so mm-hmm. being being colorblind isn't a massive hindrance really so just you know if you want to get a machine just get one you know there's plenty of help i'm sure people have helped you out anyway especially if you live close to other people do it mate get a cab mm-hmm. i totally totally endorse cabinet buying definitely so it's good isn't it yeah. yes just go and buy one mm. two now, here's a, a quick new one we're going to do. This is arcade-worthy console and computer games. Now, the first one is from Alex Chucky. He sent me a bunch, actually. Um, but he was saying the game Chucky Egg, which he, his old name was after. He's now in Nintendo Arcade. Uh, mm. Chucky Egg, what a great platformer. An arcade version may have to be tweaked a bit to make it a little bit harder. Remember, a good arcade game lasts an average person about two minutes. The side up will be good too, with that massive big welly boot squashing the chicken's eggs in the nest. Squawk! Is that, <laughs> do, do chickens make that noise? I don't think they do. don't know what they make. It's like a clucking, is it, sound? In my mind. It's like a clucking sound, isn't it? <laughs> and now I'm the one having a funny five minutes. Yes, yeah, nice. That's good Good actions there. But yeah, Chucky would have been a great game, wouldn't it? It's just... Four-way joystick, one button. Mm, probably need basic- a timer on it or something for the arcade, wouldn't it? There is a timer in the um, in the computer version, but it, it's a long time. You can, it takes ages to, to run right down. I think when it does run down, the chicken gets free and it goes mad and chases you. Oh, yeah, of course it does, yeah. The arcade one would be absolutely... But it'd have to be made, yeah, more difficult, as Alex says. But imagine the artwork on it. It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? It would be very, very chicken-ified. But what version would you use? I reckon... The BBC B version would be the best. That one, that was the most colourful one that look, looks more like an arcade game for those days. Spectrum version was really good, which is unusual for Spectrum games. But yeah, the, the, the BBC one was the classic one in my eyes. There was a very limited edition version released by the KFC chain. 
because oh. it was chucky egg yeah in, in 1984 they called it kentucky fried egg chucky egg are you sure about that sean yeah in me in my mind yes it, yes. it, it exists in your mind in your mind, mind. yeah we should be doing lots of them so if you fancied a game that should have been in the arcade or you reckon should have been in the arcade write into us and we will discuss <laughs> Friendly shout-outs. Okay, I'm giving a shout-out to a guy I missed last week, or last couple of weeks, and he wasn't very happy. Mr. 20 to 5, Mr. Neil 20 to 5, I love you, mate. I managed to miss off all his feedbacks, and he he was also, he did the the holly masks on my birthday, 50th birthday. You know, you were wearing holly masks. Where's my one gone? I've lost it. I think I've put it outside to keep children away from the house. So the staff have put them in a couple of places. There was one on a till, I've noticed, <laughs> on the back of a till. And there's one in the lift. I've, I've removed that one. So <laughs> you, if you keep if finding you them the, everywhere. You go in the lift, there's one in there, like a creepy face in the corner of the lift. I had to get rid of that in case scared children. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Um, are you missing his feedback because it's been sent to me and I'm missing it? Or is it the other way around? He, he sends it on Twitter, doesn't he? No, it, I think I was. You never should never do this, should you? you should when when you're thanking people, you, you should just say thanks to everyone that turned up to my birthday. But I, f- I forgot him because I tried to list everyone, and I know what my memory's like. Oh, you moron! Of course he was there. Mm. He was the one doing all the good stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. shouts from me as well. I would like to give a big shout out to Numskull, especially Chris and Ryan, for making me very welcome at their office on Friday. Uh, Love some of the stuff they make there. Absolutely love it. And it was nice to see the office displays there. Hopefully I'll have a game room like that one day myself. Also, shout to the people in Jarrow, which is right up north near Newcastle, who design and manufacture the prototypes of the quarter arcades. And Chris also said to me, oh, we can probably arrange a visit up there if you like. And I was like, well, it's five and a half hours away from me. It's going to be a bit of a visit. And he said, well, what you could do is next year when you go to Nurg, if you go to Nurg, we could organise a little trip there at the same time. I was like, ooh, that's interesting. I've not been to work Nurg for a while, so maybe Nurg next year will be on the card for me and go there. Nurg is awesome. Yeah, I haven't been for a while, so yeah, maybe I'll go next year. When is it, August? I'm not sure. July There is August, a date already. Right? It's normally end of July, and it? June, July sometime. Yeah, so maybe next year I'll do that, and then coincide a little trip to numbskull you fancy a bit of that mm. so for chris and ryan resonant pin your face off i'd also like to thank shout out all the people who've brought my asteroids controllers and who have been very complimentary about the uh, the quality i make them so thank you for that mm, very nice that'd be be good to maim one of them wouldn't it you could have it maimed right up do you know what I'm quite busy with doing lots of other things, actually. The, the possibilities are endless. You could get one of those little boxes, and you could fit a Raspberry Pi in it. So all you'd mm. have is have the box, a wire, well, a plug into it for the power, for the five volt power for the for for the Pi, and one HDMI wire coming out of it, or or a VGA cable to plug it into a screen, or even oh, a little a little screen that can pop up from the. Oh, you got me thinking now, Sean. No, why did you do that? I think I love Craig making Turner stuff. I he, love making when, stuff. 
Craig Turner at his revival events, he's had a, he's had a box similar to that there for years, which is quite a big chunky box, but it's obviously got a computer in it because you just plug it into a screen. Yeah, uh, that that was years ago. I saw I like that a tiny one, a little tiny it keeps one. Keeps turning up. Tiny, tiny, tiny one. Yes. Nice yeah, I'm, I'm, mm, that's got me thinking now because those little boxes that I'm making the controllers with, I'm actually going to do a Mega Drive one. Because I bought a load of really cheap Mega Drive controllers because they, they, they've got um, a little chip inside them because it's got different buttons and stuff. Mm. And these are six-button ones. So I can actually do a six-button Mega Drive controller that plugs straight into a Mega Drive and works like an arcade one. Because the arcade controls, I've actually got one here that Garen gave me. Cheers, Garen. Um, they're quite hard to come by nowadays, and they're quite expensive. Mm. So maybe the uh, the Mega Drive people want arcade controllers. Shout me out if you do. If you want an arcade proper arcade stick with buttons rather than another pad give us a shout and i'll make some it's a big good business this we're on about early aren't we i would love to do it full time i really would i love making these things they're great mm. arcade master quiz this is the mastermind quiz and i've got a bit of a different one this time uh-oh what it is is it is it arcade smells? I've got to work out what a smell is. Yeah, what's this? Oh, it's a Trump. Ooh. Oh, it's not a Donald, it's a Trump. Right, I'm going to put a minute on my phone. I'm actually in time, properly timed. Yeah. Oh, blimey. Uh-oh, this is new for you. Bit of effort on your half. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I've loads of effort in, right. <laughs> a minute, to, you can get more than 10 here. You can get more than 10 points to name as many characters from the Street Fighter universe as you can. It can be any Street Fighter from, from you know, Alpha to okay. Street Fighter 1, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 4, even 5. I thought so of got 500 a, already. So you've got a minute. I got 4. I did really well. Wow. Tell Are me you start, yeah. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go. Ryu, Ken, Chun-Li, Dalzim... Blanca, M. Bison, T. Hawk, Skullomania. Skullomania? Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll give you that one then. Uh, Sagat, Balrog, Vega, uh, I'm running out now. You're on 11. Oh god, I'm looking around to see if there's any Street Fighter stuff in here. No. Um That's some old girls. Yeah. Cammy. Yeah. Uh oh, I don't know the female ones, I don't even know you play those. Oh, what's the big Russian guy called? Zangief. Dave. Dave. Yeah. Zangief. Um That's me up. That's thirteen. That's it. Thirteen out of ten. Yes, well done. I'm the boss now because I've, I've, that's the most ever, anyone's ever got in our quizzes ever. Thirteen out of ten. Well, there's a different type of quiz, weren't it? Right. Next time, I'm going to do a quiz on you, and I ask, I'm going to ask all the characters out of the King of Fighters games. That'd be good because I don't know any. <laughs> I don't, but I will do now. Actually, I do. Terry. There is a guy Terry. called Terry Bogart in the King of Fighters games. Oh uh, yeah, no, Johnny he's Fatal Cage. Fury, but I think he's Fatal Fury, but I think he's in King of Fighters as well. Johnny Cage is that Mortal Kombat? That's Mortal Kombat. 
He plays our games sometimes as Johnny Cage. 13 out of 10. I am brilliant. Love it. <laughs> and here is a word from our sponsor. One of our monsters has dared the others to spend a night in Haunted Wood. They've got some monster munch, the only snack big enough to see them through the night ahead. Of course, they're too big to be scared, but even big, brave monsters get frightened. Sometimes. And this is one of those times. So it was all a big trick. Wasn't it? Now, even big, brave monsters get scared, Sean. What is your favourite Monster Munch flavour? And if it isn't beef, you're getting sacked and you were sent to a salt mine in Siberia. What's your favourite Monster Munch? I think it's one of them crisp brands where they're all good. The beef, the pickled onion and the hot hot and spicy, whatever it is, they are all good. Yeah, mine is beef, then pickled onion, then the spicy ones. Didn't they do a tomato one years ago? If they did, I didn't like it. Yeah, there's only three monsters, aren't there? Perhaps they tried it. Yeah, so. I don't like tomato flavored crisps. What's your least flavored, favored, favorite flavored crisp? Hedgehog. They were good. They came out in the eighties, didn't they? They were basically just a beef flavor. They weren't hedgehog at all. Because nobody mm. hedgehogs are awesome. No one eats hedgehogs. Mm. No. What is your your worst flavor crisp? Mine's got to be either tomato or. Worcester sauce. I hate those. I don't like Worcester sauce at all. Well, Worcester sauce is all right. My favourite on crisp is normally a pickled onion, I'd say. Salt and vinegar. For normal crisps, definitely salt and vinegar. Mm. Salt and vinegar discos, because they're the ones that make your eyes water. They're so vinegary. Mm. They're lovely. Maybe we should change our podcast track from biscuits to crisps. Do you know what I had today at work? I had a big, massive bag of Cheetos. Did you? The ones that are like what's it, not the ones that are like um, the crinkly ones. Yeah, knickknacks. Yeah, oh, the the knickknack ones. You can actually get knickknack Cheetos in Costco. We had two bags last week. They're gone. Family sized bags gone. Yeah, nice. They are good. <laughs> I also got a uh, advert for video retro video game podcast. Take it away, Retro Asylum boys. Enjoying the show? Why not check out some other great retro gaming podcasts like Retro Asylum, RGDS, Maximum Power Up, Arcade Attack, Arcade Perfect, and The Retro Hour. So listen to those podcasts, people. They're all great. Feature Game Review. We are talking about... This was my pick, wasn't it, Sean? Yes. We're talking about a game called Gemini Wing. Yes. Gemini Wing. From Tecmo, 1987. It is a vertical shmup. The main <laughs> CPU the main CPU is a Z80 with another Z80 controlling two sound chips. Whoop, whoop. Can I do sound effects after a reading sentence? No, you I'd rather you didn't. All right. I'm just enjoying myself. Then. Uh, okay, you do the sound effects. Can I do physical punishments for you, <laughs> if that's the case? It's going to have to be virtual because we're so far away. Yeah, I'll get you one day. The game is a pretty looking uh, vertical shooter with insectoid insectoid enemies. Oh, cretins them. Cretins. You use an eight-way joystick and two buttons. The first button is fire 
And the second button is to use the gunball extra weapons. Gunballs. The gunballs can be collected up from enemies and will follow you around like a large tail. These cannot be hit by the enemies. When you use them, use them in sequence with the nearest one to your ship being the next in line. Now, the gunballs you collect are three-way, which is exactly what it says on the tin, fires three large shots once. Homing missiles does exactly what it says on that tin as well. A bunch fly out and kill everything they hit. A wide beam is a screen-wide beam that travels up the screen, scorching anything in its path. That's my favourite one, that. No, no, this one's my favourite. The swinging fire bar. Oh, yeah, that one, sorry. It's a flappy fire sword sword that you can wield across the screen, taking out many enemies. It's kind of like the toothpaste laser in Raiden 2, which came six years later. Because you can sort of, you can move it around and sort of change it around and get stuff in the way. Yeah, you can, yeah, kind of. There's another one called a spark hurricane, which is balls that fly out of your ship in a circle formation, knocking stuff out. You can get two, five, and ten... Uh, they are point multipliers. The S is a speed up, and the E wings is an extra life. Was there any more I've missed out there, Sean? Or was that all of them? I think there's a an N one for nachos. You get nachos. Definitely. It's a snack power-up, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So, level one on this game is a standard flying over an alien planet terrain. Usual trope. End boss is at a waterfall. It's a massive evil alien turtle thing. And it looks properly pathetic when you kill it. It fires massive deadly Maltesers at you. Yeah, <laughs> Maltesers, yeah. It sort of swims up from below, and then it comes out in front of you. It moves around a bit, throws out some of these big brown balls at you, which are easy to, to dodge. And then it jumps back down at you. If you're in the way of it, it'll, it'll kill you. So get out of the way as it jumps back down. It swims back up again and just repeats and repeats until you kill it. Level two is flying over a foresty area. It could be a national park somewhere on a distant planet. You fly over this, loads of enemies coming at you, get to a volcano-like rock formation with the end-level boss. It's a two eyeballs on wobbly stalks. It took Uh, me a while to do this, you know. It's it's dead easy, but I I just kept dying on it. I got killed once because I didn't realise... It fires normal lot of these little ball things at you, and every now and again it will stop. And the, there's a big, massive lasers come from their eyes. Mm, God, I hate it when you get lasers from your eyes. I know it's just it's all you need drops and everything for them, don't you? Knocks your glasses off. Yeah, I know. Level three. This gave a lot of people a lot of trouble, including me. This is a big tunnel mm. where you can smash into the walls and obstacles and die. Uh, you've got to shoot through a lot of barriers to continue through the level. There's loads of baddies hiding behind walls to ambush you you can't actually get with your normal fire. I know. At the end, green wiggly plants keep growing out of the walls in front of you, trying to stop you progressing. Shoot that nasty green gunk away to proceed. There's no end boss at the end of the level. you just got to get through this massive long tunnel. But it just the, the green like vines they keep growing. They, they don't yeah. stop. You've got to keep shooting them and just sort of... Walk your way through them as you're shooting them. So, yeah, it's mm. quite difficult, that one. I don't think I got that far, to be honest with you. I got to them. That's as far as I got. Level four, flying over a sea level. There's loads of enemies, especially the ones that materialise in the air, then cluster towards you. There's a big blobby red brain thing that comes out of the water and opens up an evil eye and chucks fireballs at you. Keep shooting him until he disappears up his own bum and explodes. Ooh. Level five, through the sky level. Clouds and all that. Lots more materialising enemies uh, with wobbly blue bat things for some reason. 
Uh, you get to a massive flying fortress. You fly above it, taking out all the gun emplacements, like a lot of these sort of games, until you get to a tail wing. Now, this is weird. The tail wing has odd eyeballs on it that open up and fire at you. You pick them off when they're open. And then, also, this weird skull thing just flaps around the screen. Take out all the odd tail wing things in the eyeballs, and it's you finish level five. It's that simple. Strange. Yeah. Level six, flying over a jungle-type planet. Jungly. Uh, big green chompy plants fly out from the sides uh, of another tunnel, trying to nom you. Don't think you can kill those, just whip by them. More of the growing get in the way, evil vegetation. Just after the tunnel section, there was a hidden bonus in the water on the right-hand side. I saw this on a video. When you hit it a hell of a lot of times, you probably need Autofire to do it, you get a scrolling message across the, crops, across the top of the screen saying, Congratulations, you found a Tecmo Land bonus 50,000 points. You then get to a boss arena area where a fire centipede nips in and out of the weird blue alien rocks. The music and general vibe of this end level is actually a bit creepy. The centipede has very big, sharp teeth. Shoot it to death and fire spews out of the holes it was coming in and out of the screen from. Now, level 7 is the last level. Still flying over an odd coloured planet within a tunnel. Screen width is reduced in this area, really small. Some areas are only, only just wide enough for your ship to travel along and a bunch of fire spewing monsters trying to get to you from the sides. The expert 1cc player lost their first life here on the video I watched and they were obviously using rapid fire. More really skinny areas to get through and more of the shoot stuff in your path to get through nonsense. The last boss arena. It's annoying. It's a really annoying fly with loads of your gumballs up his chuff. A creepy <laughs> crawly thing flies out of its rear when you kill it and it yields a pickup, so you need the pickups. It fires the normal orange balls at you and then a burst of big yellow blobs while moving around a lot. You can only damage the boss when its wings are fully open to expose its blue bulbous tail knackers. You can only hit this with your gunball weapons, too, because you can't actually get to it because it's, it's behind. So when you eventually kill it, and it takes ages from the video I watched, you get 20,000 points for each gunball you've got left over in your possession. And you also get a fortune bonus of 50k for each life you've got left over as well. And you get a long message, which scrolls up the screen in Japanese, couldn't read it. And then you are treated to a very long, boring animation of your ship flying around some mountains while the staff names are scrolling up the screen, standard shmup-style ending. So that mm. is the game in a nutshell. Right, I've put here, I played it through, just played it through with Endless Lives, Auto Fire, everything on, just played it through. Uh, not in vulnerability, anyway, but I got through it. And I've I put first thoughts here, but the, this still stands because this was like nearly two weeks ago when I wrote this. I thought, just finished playing through Gemini Wing with Endless Lives. First thoughts, nice idea with the power up tail. Smaller hitbox, please, on mm. the ship because it's a large ship. I agree with Soul. Separate speed ups from the power up chain. Uh, separate speed ups because you, you, the speed ups obviously go into your power up balls. Yep, I, I, I put exactly the same note further down our notes. Yeah, ability to order the power ups would be nice. So you could scroll through them, get your speed up, and carry on. It gets brutally hard later on to the point where even on auto fire, I struggled through to get with those ever spawning closing gate things. Later on, there's two ship wide narrow tunnels with baddies entrenched within the walls that are just impossible to get unless you have the power ups. You can only shoot the final boss. You've just said this. It looks a bit like a like a dragonfly up his bum, which you can't reach with your normal bullets. 
So you have to. So if you run out of power ups, you have to rely on him dropping usable power ups, which seem to come. I've put every twelve years here, but it obviously it wasn't yeah, it that. takes a while. I think I think the video yeah. I watched took about seven minutes just to kill this boss off while he's shooting at you. So you've got to be moving around, dodging, and then wait for him to open up, and then you know kill him with the thing. And some of the power ups aren't very accurate, so you might miss mm. with a power up. And I've put another criticism, too many shots to kill things. Like yeah. 10 shots to kill the little, even the early worms that come out the side of the walls. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And then I put some of the attack patterns remind me of Star Force, which is no bad thing. Made by the same company? Maybe the same team worked on it? Could, could be. Same designers? So the first two levels of this game are fairly easy after a bit of practice play. But level two really steps up with the amount of enemies thrown at you. Uh, a ridiculous amount, and your poor old fire button finger just can't keep up. Those gunball pickups are really needed. The tunnel levels are just annoying. I'd rather have just had a different kind of enemies and other ground-based stuff to shoot rather than the avoid them up. After watching mm. the 1cc playthrough I did, I watched, the player was obviously using auto-rapid fire. I really don't think this game would be possible to complete with the standard rate fire. Well, one of our players nearly did. A lot of the easy enemies still need a hell of a lot of hits to remove them, while a ton more are always entering the screen. Firing into the small amount of screen space left over too, just too difficult. Really nice cheesy enemies, but in a kind of good way. End level bosses and nice music. I especially like the creepy centipede and the level aesthetics. Kind of reminded me of horror games. Mm, yeah. So, I mentioned a secret bonus on level 5. I'm not sure they just put the 1 in. Maybe they are a more. You know, like there's um, there's like the the fairies in Raiden in the trees. You, you just hit a tree and you, you realize there's an explosion gone, and you keep hitting it. Something flies out of it. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, but you wouldn't know unless you sort of really played the game like forever. And that's on level five as well. So you've got to get quite fine before you even realize. And you've got to shoot this thing millions of times while everything's coming at you to release it. Well, that's like Star Force, isn't it, with the Cleopatra bonus? Yeah, but you can't do that without a really massive ras- rapid auto fire. It's impossible. You, well, you, you can. I think there's some Japanese guy that can do it. That guy that can do 16 finger presses a second or something. God, but yeah, I, that's mad, isn't I it? tried for, I think I said at the time, I must have tried for 10 minutes with auto fire on and I, and I eventually got the Cleopatra bonus. But oh, Really? Yeah, but just st- safe stating and trying and trying and trying. Eventually I got it, but so yeah. hard. Yeah, um, you can also use your gunball power-ups when overwhelmed by baddies. That's fairly obvious, really. But, I mean, you, you do need them a lot because you, you just mm. get engulfed by everything. You just got to wipe them out, out of the way quickly while you can. Mm, you don't have to kill. This is actually in the tra- the attract mode, but Charlie Farr mentioned it as well. I noticed it, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to kill the long tail power-up guy. You can, you can just touch the power-ups to get him. Yeah. Because he, he does take a lot of shots, and if there's a lot going on, you can just touch the power-ups. They also cycle between power-ups, the guy, so you can leave it until you get the ones that you like and then kill him, which is quite hard to do. Yeah. It's, it's more stuff to think of when you're trying to avoid getting hit. Yeah, so you need to choose wisely, like Indiana Jones did when picking up that crap cup and then not, not dying in the last crusade. Do yeah. Do you remember the old guy with the metal hat on? He said, choose wisely, Indiana. Don't choose the the gold cups because they are shiny. And God, uh, Jesus, whoever he was in the, in the cave, had, a, had, a, had a, a cup, a crap cup. Pick a crap cup, Indiana. Pick a crap cup. Did he give him that many hints? <laughs> 
Uh, I'm not sure now. I haven't seen it for a long time. It's something along them lines. Do you also know, if you play a two-player game, you can nick each other's power-ups as well. Oh, that's cool. Yes. I like the graphics and sound. Uh, nice and colourful. Cutesy. I, I do like insectoid baddies in arcade games. There's a lot of them, isn't there? Music's mm. pretty good. Uh, everyone's pretty sure that the first tune on the first level is a rip-off of Space Harrier. Even the laser sounds sound like Space Harriers. It's nice. It's good. Though. It really does sound like it. So here's a bit of Gemini Wing. And here's a bit of Space Harrier. You decide. Mm. I the, the graphics I like them, but the, there's the little boot up screen that that techno games have with all the like the, the flashing. It, it's like a square the, in the middle with like a rug pattern on it, yeah, and there's all the, there's it. all these sort of arrows going into it, like the the all the data is being loaded into the square in the middle, and it's it's pretty good. I love that. A few of their yeah. games do that. It's really cool. It's a bit nerdy, but I like that. I think I like it's it. in Rygar as well. That I'll have to have a look. Yeah, may well be. God, I love Rygar. So cool. One of the best games ever. Mm, it's all right. <laughs> there was no cab art as far as I know it's just a kit I've never seen a machine with, with this I don't even know if I've even seen a marquee to be honest with you no but everyone seems to know Gemini Wing I think it's because of the ports and sequels um, yeah. there's a bit of trivia on here actually uh, if you kill the very final enemy and destroy your last ship at the same moment so if you if you go on top of his tail and, and hit the tail with your ship and blow up, the epilogue will run at the end, but without your ship, and the game will suspend after the epilogue with a black screen. It just, just knocks it out, and you'll need to um, reboot the game. It crashes, apparently. Who the hell worked that out? Somebody, obviously. Not mm. me. So we talked about the ports and sequels. I, I sort of remember this game more on the computer than in the arcade. I don't think I ever played it in the arcade, but I had it on the Spectrum. So the Spectrum version, I looked at a few of these. Spectrum version was published by Virgin and Mastertronic, which is a budget label. Quite colourful, but the sprites are mono. Uh, no in-game music on the Spectrum, but a tune at the title page, which I presume is 1 to 8K music. Mm. When you pick up the gun balls, they don't follow your ship around. They appear on the left-hand side of the screen, which I think is actually a better way for you to see what's available next and doesn't clutter the screen up. Yeah. So the Commodore 64 uh, was a wider version of the game uh, with nice colours and chunky multicoloured sprites and decent in-game SID music. Again, your power-ups don't follow you around, but this time are shown at the bottom of the screen, so they're easy to see. Amstrad CBC uh, looks like a rainbow unicorn spewed up on this game. Cheese. It's really psychedelic. Chunks with sound effects that sound like tiny little farts. The power-ups do follow your ship around, though, which they have actually done on the Amstrad. Uh, they should have used a finer graphics mode for this. It looks terrible, the Amstrad version. It's awful. Ooh. And it looks too brightly coloured for the game. Too brightly coloured. Amstrad were good at colours, weren't they? They, yeah, did, yeah. they did have lots of colourful games. Yeah, but not so many good ones. The mm. MSX was uh, looks almost identical to the Spectrum version, but without the colour clash. Because I, I think the hardware used it a bit better. So It's obviously ported from the Spectrum to the MSX, or vice versa. The Atari ST, we're talking about the 16-bit stuff now. Atari ST was very bright 16-bit sprites with not so good in-game music. 
and your gun balls do follow you around and you can see them on the left hand side of the screen overkill on that effect maybe having them follow you in and see them on the other side of the screen I don't know mm. the Amiga is very similar to the SD version presumably they're ported by the same company etc the X68000 the Japanese computer the Japanese supercomputer uh, as we've come to expect this is hands down easily the best port it's almost arcade perfect even the fonts look the same now we know the X68000 had a 68k CPU but it must have been shared it must have shared other hardware with arcade boards like you know, the AY38910 sound chip. Because mm. PCBs don't didn't have graphics boards on them. They had chips to do the, obviously do the chip the graphics of I presume the the main CPUs did the graphics as well. They didn't have dedicated graphics chips until later on anyway. So I'm not sure what made the X sixty eight thousand so good for arcade stuff, because this game we're talking about is a Z eighty and that's the X sixty eight thousand, unless they're backward compatible. They can run Z80 code. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's almost exactly the same as the arcade version. But, oddly, there was no console version to this game made. Now, the NES could have easily easily played this game. And the oh, Mega Drive in the SNES. 87, yeah. It, yeah. Mega Drive, it was before the Mega Drive, weren't it? But it is, yeah, but the, the NES could have made it. Played Mega it. Drive could have picked it up. Yes, or Master NES could System. Have it up. Yeah. Yeah, they obviously could have gone back and played, you know, made older games for them, but I suppose they didn't want to do that. Ooh. Let's talk scores, Sean. There's some. Ooh, there's some good ones on it. Oh, blimey! Charlie. We've had loads of scores on Sidekick, right? Oh my which lord, is, there's lots. Which is there. really boosting our scores. Yeah. We've there's thirty players in the ten pence club on Sidekick. Wow. Sidekick even that have put scores in. So we're going to read them from the bottom to the top. Bottom to the top. Bottom to the top. Alan Delta Lima, thirty-two one twenty. No time to play this game. The weeks are getting shorter as December arrives. Keep up the great work, you two. One Punch Rob. Kapow! Uh, 33,760. I can only manage a quick blast on this. It turns out making games leaves you no time for playing games. I really like it in the parrot mechanic where they follow you around and can be picked up on death. Oh yeah, when they when you die, it spreads all your power balls out and you can pick them up yeah. again. I like it. Not, all, not all of them, I don't think. It just a chucks them out on the screen, just throws them, spews them on the screen. Mm. He's a program. In his Twitter little description says he's a programmer at Rockstar. Oh, nice one. It's Cheers. cool, isn't it? Put us in some of your games, Rob. Yeah, yes, please. Grand Theft Auto 6. We can be two nutters driving around in the Morris Minor. Woohoo, come yeah. on, come and get some. <laughs> I'll whack you. Have uh, it, Mark, you bugger. <laughs> get out. Mark, what, no gravy. 59,980. Quick double is put. Uh, first one of the horses, Luke Horse, 64,420. Return of the horse. <gasps> Return of the horse. Drumsy. Richard Rumsey, who's actually the mastermind behind the, behind the arcade sidekick app, mm-hmm. 65,210. Uh, Chef Solid, also on the sidekick, uh, 66,790. Ronan Horse, 68,940. Uh, Matthew Bridge, 71,600, also from sidekick, sidekick Submission. A lot of these that, are, that have put Twitter as well as Sidekick Submission, I've just put there a little comment on so there's like 30 of them in there anyway mm-hmm. Paul Dobson there's lots of new players this time 74-620 my terrible Gemini wing score it's is not cool. that bad and exactly the same score for MX5 DOB he's got exactly the same score 74-620 Steve Tyke 78-630 can't get the hang of this just another typical bullet hell that my colourblind eyes and ageing brain can't cope with <laughs> well his ageing brain copes with a lot of other games really well uh, Centipede. Second of the horses, Phil Horse, 80,470. 
Mick Bass, 82,780. Uh, DNO, 84,990. Benson Rad, 86,270. Madjock, Mr. Madjock, 90,520. Exploding Pinball Man, just do not get your pinballs near him, lads. It's just going to explode them right up. 93,760. There's something that bugged me about this game. Can't put my finger on it, though. GJ Harris, 97,930. Not a lover of Gemini Wing. I, re- I never really enjoyed the Amiga version either. Didn't quite manage to break 100k. Roger Dodger, who we talked about earlier, 106,030. Uh, Chris Plus Plus, 106,150. This is definitely a game of this sort. Yes, sir. It's succeedingly wildly at being this type of game. It's very pretty, of course. And at last, we have some highly original enemy formations. I killed the first big baddie at the end who throws a bunch of coconuts at you. I thought they were Maltesers. As well as the cool-looking volcano worms, that was as far as I could get. A not terrible game for an awesome podcast. Your man in New Mexico, Chris Plus Plus. Woo! Andy Horse. All these horses this time. 107, 7, uh, 470. Jason Barber, 108,230. It's a great shooter, but Arcade Hand kicks in too quickly these days. I'm getting too old for this, shiz. Back to classic slow-paced shooters like Cosmic Gorilla for me, then. Ooh, Salbug, 117,020. Another great choice. Thanks, guys. I suck at shooters, so here's the best I could do. And there's me. Oh, miss, miss me pinger then. 119,810. I didn't have right. that many goes on it, but yeah, that level that level three was just nasty. And Zorro. Uh, hang on, no, we're mistro- Ooh, don't miss Don't troll, be lads. missing troll nuts. Oh, no. 121,910. I'm finding this one quite tricky. Oh, if I'd known he'd only got that, I'd have just tried a bit harder just to beat him by 10 points. That's, <laughs> that's the most delicious feeling that is. <laughs> Zorro, 127,990. Ben Granville, 141,260. Good game, but no time to play. Mr. Ross Ross, 141,950. Last go for me. I have enjoyed it. Liked all the power-ups and a pleasant change on on the usage mechanic. Level 3 difficulty hike killed it for me, though. And me. Mm. Mr. Messi, everyone's favourite Mr. Man. 149,840 points. No, my favourite's Mr. Grumpy. Do you like him? I, mm. I like Mr. Messi. He's a dude. Zistora. 151240. I'm a new listener to your great podcast. Here's my first score submission. Thank you, Zestora. Mark, how many coins has he inserted, Vic? Many. Many. 155,460. Made it past a two-headed beastie thing, but ran out of time for any more progress. Initially hated this, but it grew on me. Definitely some inspiration from Space Harrier on that opening level music. I couldn't help but shout out, welcome to the Fantasy Zone. Get ready. Ian Cullen, 166,380. Seems like a cool schmuck with an interesting power-up system. Not really played this enough to pass judgment, though. Ooh. Buller. Buller in China Sharp, 170,700. Jesus H. Corbett, level 3 is tough. Enjoyed this one, though. The power-up system made a nice change. Yep. Yeah. Uh, ooh, how do, is this Kean? Kean, yeah. Apologies if I said your name wrong, Kean. Kean Horse, 173,390. Retro 77, 179,750. I've been meaning to join in for a while with the score challenge. Level 3 is a, has a real difficulty spike, it does. Absolutely. Sol, 180,820. And Sol says... Oh, he's changed his voice, actually. Slight shooty shooty, pure 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 kaboom improvement. Mm, so nice that's how he speaks now, yeah. 
God, so uh, Ed Ed Horse, hundred eighty two six sixty. Great game. Definitely has the one more go factor. A speed up would be nice. So they're, yeah. there is, they're in there. They're in there. But you've got to you've got to eke them out like a little mouse. When you get the speed up one, it should just be immediate. That really bugged me having to pick it. It really mm. bugged me. Neil twenty to five, hundred ninety nine thousand and eighty. A rather nice game, chaps. Beaten by time again, but a few goes and really enjoyed it. Would like to have beat two hundred thousand, but close enough, I guess. Right, I got 201.780, just beat 200,000 today. Mm-hmm. I got to the level three, and I thought, if I had a lot of time, I could push through this and carry on, but I didn't really feel the need. I didn't, wasn't motivated enough to do it. I think it's a pretty decent game. I, I will come back to it and play it from time to time, but it's it's not, not a shooter that really grabs me, you know. When it gets to like level three, and the difficulty is so difficult... It's just, everything's against you, and I think you just give up. It's, it's mm. not it's not the best game in the world, so you're not going to progress and, and try any harder. I think it's got the small like like bullet hell. I know this is years before bullet hell, but it's got the slow moving bullets. But your ship has the hit boxes the size of the ship, so it's hard to squeeze through these bullets. Yeah, they didn't really have hit boxes back then, did they? It was just your ship was the graphic. Anything hits mm. that graphic, you've had it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Rygar, 234,010 points. He is Jimmy at 275,160. Giga Wing is my thing. Loving the tunes and the insane Giga Wing. Let's put Giga Wing. I think he Loving means this. Yeah, and the insane scrolling speed up sections, novel power ups, and you have a real fighting chance after you lose a ship. Thumbs up. Yeah, he's got a point there. You can get a lot of your weapons back, and it's not you know it's not impossible to start off again when you've got no weapons. Mm. Tactical Giles, three hundred thirty thousand and eighty. Enjoyed this one. A solid shoot with a very original power up system. Would be more enjoyable with auto fire though. It gives me arcade hand after a couple of games. Matt near MK three hundred fifty three thousand and thirty. Dismissed the game back in the day, and not sure why. Nice shooter with an atmospheric soundtrack and a few quirks. Gotta love the walrus chucking out chocolate drops. Lovely pick. Mark Happy Dude, 478,640. Victor, once again, another great choice. I'm really enjoying this little gem. One I've never been brute to. I really have played this one a lot this last couple of weeks, but doubt I'll be able to beat this score, though. <laughs> I won't. I know that. Right, Graham Ten Shearers. He's a good player, and he keeps putting in decent scores. He's yeah. in third place with 530,530. That's a massive score. And number two, this doesn't happen often, Charlie Farr. 874,200, level 7, close to the 1cc. Yeah, he's on the last level. God, how's he got through that? <laughs> Using his magic powers and his two brains. But he has been beaten by Pearl, the shoot-em-up extravaganza extraordinaire guy who has, who has played with just keyboard. I don't know if he has on this one. Oh, Nine I, and- that'd be mad. 964,870 level stage 6 boss so he's got less far than Charlie Far but more points oh. scary centipede looking fella he reckons level 6 bosses I wonder if he found a lot of the hidden bonuses then to get that Could more do. points because they're worth 50,000 points I think mm. so two of them would probably yeah do that if he found the two mm. some good scores thanks for uh, playing along with us people loads of, loads of players yeah thank you very much so right let's talk about the end of this we need less enemies on screen at one time there's far too many Uh, your ship needs to be faster from day one ignore the speed ups it just needs to be faster Um, the speed up power up needs to be immediate we just said that Mm 
Mm. When you pick it up, it should just happen straight away. Not choose it with the second button after you know going through all your flipping power ups. Yeah, so just get rid of the power up speed up and just have it as soon as you hit it, you speed up or be that speed to start with and just forget about power ups power-ups it make the game more enjoyable i think if, and any- if you pick another power up by ac- another speed up by accident then you have to go through that in the chain so you end up too fast oh it does it speed you up even more yeah it does oh yeah. that's just silly isn't it so you got to, you got to work out not to do i think just get rid of the speed up make your ship faster for a start and completely remove the speed up if any mm. if any of our clever listeners can reprogram stuff can go in the code and change this Make your ship faster and remove the S power up, please. That'd be great. Mm. And I can reburn the ROMs on my board. It'd be brilliant. Much better game. <laughs> yeah. I think they needed to change the level layouts a bit more. They're very, very samey. A lot of the backgrounds. Mm. I know a lot very of these games are. Well. Yeah, yeah. The cramped bits. Are, yeah, that's my next thing. Remove the stupid tunnel sections, or just have the one level with the tunnel, and then not again after that. And have it mm. nearer to the end as well, because it was very difficult. Uh, less yeah. shots to kill the enemies off because there were far too many. Yeah. And the last boss is just ridiculous. It would take mm. you... If you were playing that back in the arcade and you had to put money into it and take all that time getting there, it would take you weeks and months to work out what you've actually got to do unless someone told you. Because mm. it's not obvious at all. When I was watching the video, I was like... You know, usually when you hit a boss, something flashes or it, or it makes a noise or you know some flames mm. come out of it to show you're hitting the right thing. This was not happening at all. You just kept shooting. It's like nothing's happening. What's happening? Nothing's happening. And then I twigged about the minute or two into it. And I'm not sure if the player was playing it knew it themselves as well. That when it opens its wings up every now and again, you hit you hit the blue bulbous bit at the back. It flashed white, and you go, "Oh, hold on a minute. That's what's going to do to hit it." But you have to hit it multiple times. And any way you can hit it is by killing yourself, flying into it. Or hit it with one of your weapons. And some of the weapons are very hard to get to it. Mm. So it's just ridiculously hard. The last boss is ridiculous. Silly. Yeah, a lot of it. I think a lot of the levels, it just throws everything at you. I don't know whether it's just lazy programming or... Because the first two, the, the first two levels, the attack patterns are really well done and it's like a bit yeah. spaced out and you, you can weave through them. But the, the third level curve just... is quite, quite a good average curve and it just goes mental. Just throws everything at you. Yeah, yeah. it's like oh, I don't know. Yeah, I've 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 put me comments further up, didn't I? But I said I said the, the ability to cycle through the power-ups have made for a, a more tactical game, and, and I would have enjoyed it more. I think, but it's decent game, decent game. I like some of the power-ups. Some of the power-ups are really good. The, the the flappy flame you can wave around the screen is really good, and I like the one that just just wiped the screen away it just had like a, a flame come across the whole length of the screen and flew up the screen and just mm. wiped away all the enemies off the screen I like that power up a lot but the other ones weren't great no, no. yeah the, the the ball one and the three way were just useless awful things so yeah that's about it not a bad shooter but like I said way earlier in the podcast a lot of these cutesy colourful shooters are really difficult the difficulty does not suit the aesthetics of the game. They mm. just really don't. You just sort of think, oh, it's a kid's game, it's going to be easy. No chance. No way. Mm. So too what hard for me. That Fantasy Zone, that was quite hard, wasn't it? That was a colourful, kiddie graphics thing. I still really like Fantasy Zone. I think I'm going to pick that for my next archive game. 
I love mm. fantasy, and I, I, love, I love even more the later version they did on the, on the, the higher up hardware. That's a brilliant mm. game. So nice. Next show's game. Well, you're going to love this next show's game. Okay. Oh, you're not going to do that, are you? Go on, tell the listeners. You know, Vic, when you're laying awake at night and you're thinking, do you know what I need in my, my life? Do you, know what you, do you know what I need? I need more Moon Patrol. I need more Moon Patrol. That's what you, you do. I, I do it. A lot of people do it, you know. Well, I've, I've, got a lot of, I've got a lot of Goon Patrol in my life already with you, Sean. So, so you can't use you can't choose Moon Patrol again. So what are you going to choose? No, there there is a sequel to Moon Patrol called yeah, Horizon. Little known Horizon. Yes, by Irem in 1985. We're going to do this one, kids. The ROM is just called Horizon. Three lives, no difficulty settings. Extra live at 40k, then every 80k thereafter. And I've had a go today. Uh, it's it's not as actually nothing is as good as Moon Patrol. We all know that, but it's a not. decent game. <laughs> you've got two weeks to play it kids get your scores you better or Tuesday December the 10th 1700 UK time I find if you use actual human words to describe things people will understand mm. what you're saying so yeah, 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 yeah. the wrong is Horizon that. it's that simple um, mm. yeah I've, I don't think I've ever played Horizon I knew, I know of it from when we talked about Moon Patrol but I've never played this game so that would be an interesting one for me do you know what? I found out that No Quarter did it right. So I've been okay. trying to find yeah, I've been trying to find ah. the No Quarter podcast horizon. They've all gone, haven't they? Yeah. It's not on Stitcher, it's not on Podtail, I think they hosted on as well. It's not on their site. They've all gone. The, the, all the no quarters have gone. Do you know what? I was at work the other day and I'd listened to all my podcasts and I thought, oh, I'll go back to No Quarter again. I'll listen to so I love listening to those. And the website host domain is now disappeared, and it's up for yeah. sale. And they've all been deleted. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but that is a massive shame because everyone should have already or should listen to No Quarter because they were absolutely brilliant. With all the different hosts, they are all brilliant all the time. They are really good. Mm. And it's going to be a massive shame if they're not backed up somewhere where people can access them. So hopefully yeah. someone will find them and, and put them for release. They're absolutely brilliant. They they were the reason why I started this podcast because they were mm. so good. I wanted to do something nearly as good as them. So yeah, so that's gonna be a massive shame if we can't get them anymore. Yeah, yeah it is, isn't it really? So you can submit your score to Hor- for Horizon on Twitter with hashtag Tempe Score or Facebook uh, as a comment on our podcast post or Arcade Sidekick app in the Tempe Club section, or you can email the site as well. Uh, all this this information is on the website. The deadline for score submissions for Horizon is Tuesday, December the tenth. We're in, nearly into December already. Five mm. o'clock PM UK time, please. Or as I said, <laughs> yeah, that. If anyone can yeah. understand that, that's exactly what Sean meant. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, kids. Thank you for listening to my human words and Sean's. Yeah buffoon management yeah Uh, and we will talk to you in two weeks time thank you goodbye thanks kids enjoy the game see you next time goodbye you can download or play the podcast read all the show notes and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk you can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk you can also reach us on our facebook page 
You can tweet me at Tenpence Arcade, and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 